Hey everybody, welcome to Cinema Trip Reviews. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the famous, the classic, The Exorcist. Welcome back to Cinema Trip Reviews. We got a huge special show for you today. Uh, we are talking about the world-famous movie classic, The Exorcist, and I am joined by none other than the movie dumpster, the dumpster dwellers, Joe and Sean from Movie Dumpster. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yeah, totally, man. I'm, I'm back from sucking cocks in hell, dude. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for being here, man. You've been on the show before here, Joe. We talked about American Werewolf in London. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen that one, go check out the review. It was a, it was a great time. Had a great time doing that oh, one. Go check it out. That, that's one of my faves. Like, I really love that movie. I had a great time talking to you and Vern about that. It was awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so glad to get Sean on the program so we can talk to both of you here about The Exorcist. And I know you guys don't talk about huge, you know, you guys kind of talk about like B movies or like lower grade horror movies. Um, sure. Now, I don't see you covering like The Exorcist or some of the huge, you know, movies that have been, that are cult classics, not even cult classic, just classics at this point on your show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's about right. I mean, we mostly do like, like you just kind of said why we do those ones that are kind of off the beaten path. Like, you know, we wouldn't be against like a pet cemetery per se, but yeah, Exorcist yeah. is one that maybe we'd probably do one of the other ones down the line. <laughs> yeah, like, like a three two or two. Yeah. Two, definitely. I can understand why you guys would cover two. Three is amazing. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> three, three is something that I'd actually really want to do. But we, yeah, we mostly take the road less traveled because we want to expand people's horizons with yeah. the horror genre. And it, we all know that Exorcist is a classic and we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, but it's fun to turn people on to, to different weird little things that they might have missed. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um but And as, I love The Exorcist. I think it's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's one of my spoilers. One of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time, man. I it was great just rewatching it here this past week. Um I know a lot of people kind of say because it's, especially with the you know, like the version you've never seen, like the director's cut, mm. which is like the yeah. pretty much the only way you can really watch it now, I feel. It's hard to, to locate the original cut that was released back it's then. like it's like the star wars theatrical releases man like that yeah you gotta go torrent them <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i would even argue it's more like blade runner honestly because it's like you know there was there, there's multiple cuts online depending on like if you're on netflix or you're good or you're renting it or something like that they don't always tell you what version you're getting yeah. so you'll be like 20 minutes into the movie unless you've seen it so many times that you know the exact differences and you'll be like what? I don't I don't see any crab walk. Where's the spider walk? Where is it? I, I watched the wrong version because that happened to me before. There's no crab walk. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? I thought this was in this version. It's like, well, that's that version. You watch the producers. You got to watch the directors or whatever it is. Yeah. And it, it is kind of a longer movie with everything added in. I mean, there's not much added in, um, but I know to the audiences nowadays that are kind of like have a little bit of more shortened attention span. It may seem a little bit longer and drawn out, but man, I feel like because it focuses on the characters so much, that's what makes it so intriguing about it. And it's absolutely it's one of those movies that it I think it aged perfectly because it still holds up for me because I've we've all watched it, you know, when, since we were kids. Um, but I remember like a couple of years back showing it to a friend who's never seen it before. But you get frustrated because now for people who have never seen it, it's it's like nothing. It's they're so uh, just unfazed by it at this point. Yeah, that was always like we, me, me and Joe had a friend years ago. I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but uh, 
Texas Chainsaw, one in particular, would come up, mm-hmm. and uh, they would be like, oh, I watched that with a friend, and it was we were laughing through the whole movie, and I, I distinctly remember, I don't know if you remember this, Joe, it was uh, with our friend Tara from back in the day, uh, uh, and we were like, laughing at that. Did you miss this? Did you watch the same movie as me? I mean, I get it's uh, maybe a little bit older, but that's a pretty terrifying film. I think some people have a, have a... And this isn't a knock per se, but I think some people have a hard time putting themselves in the shoes of the character. Yeah. You know? Because it was the same situation. The people I watched it with were laughing, and I was just like, this isn't a funny movie. What are you laughing about? (laughs) This is is grade A horror. This is grade A movie making right here. (laughs) Lest we forget The Exorcist has been parodied to fucking Oh, yeah. I mean, there was an entire movie like Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen, and Linda Blair is... Reprise, like not reprises a <laughs> role, but is basically the same thing. Like, uh, yeah, so scary movie time, three or four definitely had a yeah. Parody. But most, but most people by that time, especially our age, had seen that first, or even a little bit mm. younger than us, than had seen that first before they saw The Exorcist. So they're probably like, oh, you know, this is stupid or whatever. I'll tell you one thing: you take this movie and you watch it seriously by yourself in the dark with the volume up. It's fucking terrifying. Still, oh yeah, terrifying. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Now, like, when was like around the first time that you like? What was your first experience with The Exorcist? Uh, mine was the version you've never seen when it was re-released in theaters. Um, I had so I can't remember watching it on TV, but my mother used to tell me about it, and I had rented it uh, as a kid. But um, seeing it uh, in the theater for that uh, the version you've never seen. Oh man, uh, that would been awesome. Pretty awesome. I think I went with my, I, yeah, I went with my folks to go see that because my mom loves this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I, I'm pretty sure that was my first experience with it, and then uh, subsequent rentings afterwards. I mean, mine was definitely just like watching it late at night when no one was up, because that was definitely not a movie I was allowed to watch. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I, and yeah. probably not even really seeing it in, in, in its total completion until I was like in my late teens, early 20s, just because it was one of those ones, who I got to watch 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Beavis and Butthead Do America is another one that comes to mind with that, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, I so yeah, so probably when I was a... Too. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, probably when I was, yeah. a, maybe not a kid, but young teenager. Yeah, I... I... I believe I was like I was definitely too young to be watching The Exorcist when I first saw it Um, because my dad was one of the the first people that introduced me to horror movies. So, you know, you got you got your Halloweens, your your Nightmare on Elm Street, those kind of things. And then it was like, oh, have you seen The Exorcist yet? And of course, it was like the version you never seen at that point. But man, it was so terrifying. And I mean, as a kid, of course, you're you're looking for the scary stuff. And it kind of takes a little bit to get into the scary stuff within this movie. Um, But man, especially seeing that like the spider walk as a kid for the first time it was terrifying and it's been, like the ending and everything with their face being cut up which we'll get to man it, it was terrifying as a kid but as you get older you really grow to appreciate the the character development of all these different characters throughout the whole movie oh big time and the voice especially that that reagan uh begins to get and i, I forget the name woman who does it but i'm sure we'll talk about it um but yeah like when you go back and watch it like some of the scariest parts are when reagan's like in the hospital and stuff and getting all these tests done on her like that freaks me out like still now yeah you know yeah definitely um but this spinal taps and shit yeah and it looks like it's all real like they they Mm -hmm. looks like they just did it right there like everything was real they didn't fake it which is 
apparently that's a reason for a lot of people that were like feigning and passing out and leaving the theater, I guess, back in the day. Yeah, the needle stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it today still, even like with Terrifier 2, you have all these reports coming out of people like passing out and vomiting in the theaters and stuff, which is like, you you don't really hear about it too much anymore. But back in the day, like The Exorcist was like the scariest movie of all time at that point, you know? (laughs) And it deals with the devil and, and possession and things. Yeah. And the, the, I mean, this is the this is the movie that that demonized the Ouija board, you know. <laughs> yeah, they Ouija. Had, like, the, the Christians were pissed off, like picketing the movie yeah. theaters and stuff, trying to get it pulled. Yeah, there was like, a huge amount of controversy around this movie at the time. Uh, but of course, this was directed by William Freakin. He's he's a madman, which we'll get to a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. But he is he's famous for directing sure like is. the French Connection. Uh, the mm. the movie itself is based off the book here uh, by William Peter Blatty. I don't know if you ever read the book at all. Yep, it's it yeah, it's very similar. Uh, there is a couple differences. It kind of goes more in depth with like Kinnerman's, like his case, trying to solve everything, like the murder of uh, the director and everything, uh, as well all as right. it kind of blurs the lines a little bit, where it's like maybe she wasn't possessed in a way. Like this could all just be in her head a little bit. It it kind of lets you go it's open for interpretation by the end of the book at that point sure i think that might have been one of the contentions between blatty and friedkin was it not yeah i mean they they, they kind of argued a <laughs> bit during this movie about uh, what uh, a bit <laughs> yeah i mean that's the reason we have the the version you never seen in the director's cut is like sure. i remember like watching the like the whole behind the scenes and the making and william friedkin even says like you know, I, I just wanted to make him happy after all these years, so I decided to go back to the, the editing room and put all those scenes that he wanted in, put it in the movie for him. And he's like, oh, what? you're such a nice guy, William Freakin, like 30 years later putting these in. Meanwhile, he's not even dead yet, but he's rolling in, rolling in his grave because he's like, ah, for 30 years, I told you this was the better cut. Okay. I told you, and now it's like the universal cut at this point where everybody yeah. pretty much loves yeah. it. But yeah, of course, you got uh, Ellen Burstein in this movie. You got Jason Miller, who's fantastic. Linda Blair, which we mentioned. Uh, Lee J. Cobb. And uh, of course, Max von Sydow, or Sydow, however you pronounce it. Whoever depends on the person, I guess. I always, I always called him Sydow. Sydow. He uh, sat on a throne of blood. That's all I know. <laughs> but, but speaking of Max von Sydow, he looks exactly like he looked like right before he passed, like as he got older, the makeup that they did, cause he was only like 40 at this time when they filmed this, the makeup that they did on him was so damn impressive where it looks exactly like he looked later in life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dick Smith's age makeup is probably this, some of the best stuff that he's ever done in this and little big man with, um, mm. what's his name? Who played hook? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Dennis, uh, uh, Nope. Rain Man. What the hell is Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> I almost said Dennis uh, Hopper. I knew that was wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, there you go. Dustin Hoffman. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It was a D name. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a, a Native American movie, right? Yeah. I remember yeah, watching that in high school. Right, right. And it's like about his whole life because he starts old. Right, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, I remember watching that yeah, in like yeah, high school. <laughs> I was going to say... Uh, 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 Terminator 2, the uh, the extended cut at the end there, oh, what yeah. uh, uh, Sarah Connor looks like. I thought the makeup oh, was very yeah. good. I actually Lynn just Hamilton. watched that for the first time here as of recently, like the the extended Ooh. cut of T2, which is, man, that's a whole other conversation. I, yeah, I, it's great. <laughs> it's minus preferred cut. 
yeah, it's great minus a couple little nitpicks, but man, it's a good cut. Yeah. But uh, to your point, but to your point, yeah, I thought I thought Max von Sydow was like old forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just thought that I didn't even like when I originally watched it, I didn't even know that was I just thought that was an old dude they cast in this role. I didn't even know yeah. it was makeup at that time. As we mentioned, uh about William Freakin and William Peter Blatty. They both are insisting that it's not a horror movie. Uh, Freakin considered it uh, is more of a mystery of faith, and then Blatty really called it like a supernatural detective story in a way, but neither of them really consider it like a horror movie at heart. Mm. That, that's a little bizarre to me. Most of it's a drama, really. Most of yeah. it's a drama, and like, and, and again, the, 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 the search of faith and the questioning of faith is, is, are huge themes that run throughout this between like Damien and even the detective and even um, uh, Ellen Bernson, who plays the mother, like they're all like, it's almost like reverse kind of mm-hmm. for a lot of these characters. Like one, like the, the mother doesn't believe and then Damien does. And then he starts to not, and then the mother starts to, and then they, we meet in the middle with uh, captain Howdy <laughs> at one point, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Speaking of like some of the characters in here, apparently Jane Fonda and Audrey Hepburn were offered the role for Chris McNeil instead of Ellen Burstein, oh. uh, but they both turned it down because of pretty much the source material. <laughs> After they they like really dug into it and read it, they're like, eh, not sure if I want to do this, especially like later in the career for like Audrey Hepburn at that point, which would have been wild. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been a weird movie for sure. Yeah, I don't think it would have been as powerful. Yeah, uh, Ellen Burstein is so damn good in this movie. Yeah, I mean that's hard to say. I mean, Hepburn's like one of the greatest of all time, but that's that's interesting to yeah, think but, about. Yeah, yeah, but Bernstein nails the fucking oh, erotic yeah. mother who's exhausted. <laughs> like, all yeah, of, she kind of goes through the avenues to help her child. Yeah, and she has kind of a similar transformation along with her daughter throughout the movie. Like, she starts mm, getting yeah. even more worn down. She looks beat up by yeah. the end of the movie. She's just on her last yeah. string of hope at that point with the, the whole exorcism at the end. <laughs> um, well, and you think the way that exorcisms usually work, at least in film, that if this movie didn't end the way it did, maybe she would have been the next victim because she's beaten down by the end of it. Yeah, it would have been the possible, perfect host. Yeah. She's susceptible for sure. Yeah. Um, and of course, as far as directors, apparently Kubrick, Arthur Penn, and uh, Mike Nichols were also considered for the director's chair here. I'm not sure on how Kubrick would have done a, an Exorcist movie. That would have been pretty interesting to see. It probably would have been like nine hours long. <laughs> with like long panning shots of the... No, it probably would have been fun. I mean, I, I or or it probably would have been a masterpiece because, I mean... Ellen Burstein would have been the guy would... pissed off doing 300 takes. Yes. Getting yelled oh, and wow. screamed at, the, <laughs> but he would have got the best take out of her. That's Good the lord! Thing. That's like the true. more I read about Kubrick over the last like several decades of watching movies, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this fucking guy. <laughs> He's ruined Shelley Duvall's life. Yeah, Did it's he? it's really disheartening to see like their what happened between them during The Shining and everything. Uh, amazing film, one of the, my favorites, but damn. Yeah, yeah, he was a nasty prick for sure. <laughs> but you are right it would have been interesting no to see what his it. his version of this could have been for sure and, and speaking of like nasty pricks i don't know if it's that far but william freakin <laughs> as a director oh my god he is a madman apparently uh going yeah. as far as to to get the best performance out of actors either by slapping them uh firing guns off just 
behind the camera just with blanks and just firing guns off to get genuine like scared reactions from people. Uh, it's wild to hear some stories about William Freakin. I think that is absolutely incredible and this weird time capsule to hear because you could never fucking get away with that ever again except in the wild, wild west of the <laughs> 70s or even the 80s. Like, I, I think even the 80s, there would have been someone from the union knocking at the door if they heard a gun going off. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Some and, of those lower budget ones in, in, in other countries, who knows? True. It's, and it's so interesting to see the contrast between some of the other actors that dealt with him in this movie. And then like, if you watch the making of where Linda Blair talks about it, it's like, he's a whole different person when he's directing her. Like he's such like a, a a kind of a a genuine kind dude. He's looking out for her best interests at that point. He's kind of treating her her like his daughter kind of at that point. He's trying to be as, as gentle as possible going through, especially some of these rougher scenes that she has to do. So it's very, it's very weird to see, one side with him and then a whole nother side when it comes to like children or Linda Blair in this case. I think it's a big judge of his character too. And like, like he, he might be an asshole and he might do fucked up shit, like slap people or shoot guns off. But like, he's also <laughs> tender and caring and, and thoughtful of, of this young girl's, uh, 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 feelings and, and how she's being treated on set and stuff. And to get the best performance out of her is most certainly not to, uh, slap her or shoot a gun off, <laughs> her head, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because even though it's the seventies, I'm sure they still had some some strict laws when working with you know minors and everything. Also true. <laughs> at least involving firearms, at the very least. Yeah, like you can't have any guns on the set, Bill. Can't do it. Yeah, might have actually been able to slap her, but you know, the guns maybe not. You have to use a fly swatter. You can't use a, a the backhand. Yeah. It's got to be one of those that's like got the hand on it, you know, like yeah, the hand. It's one. a rule of thumb. The scratcher, the back scratchers. <laughs> Before we like get into the movie here, we talked about the version you never seen. They did add some certain things here, here and there. They included the demon faces that flash throughout certain parts of the movie. Apparently, they were just makeup test effects that they were like, "Oh, this looks pretty cool," and then you just kind of just insert them in there as some lip subliminal faces but they mm. they're not very subliminal you can see them pretty clearly those are one of the changes i don't like i don't oh, really? think it needs it i think it makes it i think it i think it makes it hokey um yeah i can see that i i don't know if i would say it makes it hokey for me but i i definitely don't need it like there's a couple i mean they are creepy don't get me wrong but it's like all right this is like just added for the sake of being added yeah. Well, only only in certain spots, maybe. Like, no, I, 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 I could see where you're coming there, from. There are, there are moments when, like, Reagan's having a dream or having a fit or something where it happens. And, like, that's okay with me. But, like, that's all I want. Right? Yeah. It's just a little taste of it. Because you're like, wait, what the fuck was that? It was just like a flash on the screen, you know? Yeah, when certain parts it works. It, you start, your, your brain starts to put the pieces together. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're saying, like, some of the dream like when she's kind of out of it, like the parts that really doesn't work is like when Chris is walking through the kitchen at one point and the lights are flickering and then you just see it in the background. It's like, eh, doesn't really work at that point. It's scarier that it's upstairs and you can't see it Mm -hmm. to me. You know what I mean? The, the, the foreboding evil that's right above your head. Yeah. Cause there's (laughs) so many points in the movie where they're just talking downstairs and then you just hear the yelling and screaming and shit going upstairs. Yelling and, (laughs) It's fucking bone chilling, man. This is fucking, yeah. It's frightening. Yeah, um, but they added the faces in there. Uh, they added a couple other scenes, like in the beginning, and they, of course, they added the spider walk in there as well. Some people are very mixed on that scene as well. Uh, really? I like it. 
at, you know, in my opinion, I think it, hmm. it works. Uh, it's definitely a little more different than what you see in the rest of the movie as far as craziness, like the blood coming out of the mouth and, yeah. and everything. Well, I think I think that that scene affects me because of the sound effects work. Mm. Mm-hmm. When you hear her like plum, 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 down the stairs and then a wow, 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 like that freaks <laughs> like me out. The weird growl that she does and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's a creepy ass scene, but I, I guess it's it could creepy. it could definitely be one of those scenes that you're talking about earlier where people that are not taking it seriously or unfamiliar with the material are like, ah, what the, what the walking backwards on your hands? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what is this, Juwan? It could have got a lot weirder, too, because especially because they filmed one of the scenes that, that happens in the book, but it just did not translate well at all. And it's kind of similar as I th- I believe it's like right after the spider walk is Reagan kind of s- climbs around on all fours and like has like yeah. a snake tongue that's like flickering yes. in and out. And she's going around trying to bite the people's tongue. ankles and shit. And it like it it sounds it's great in the book it's it's very creepy yeah. and scary but man when you see like the test footage of it it it's pretty funny it's pretty hilarious it just wouldn't fit at all yeah. in this movie yeah and I know you were gonna talk about it but it's like the placement of that spider walk like where it happens is kind of that pivotal moment where everything starts to go from oh we don't know what's wrong with her to like oh shit something's really wrong with her yeah. yeah and then you have to get her back up in the room well oh my god yeah, yeah right. <laughs> i wouldn't i'd be like oh fuck leave that to like carl and the other housekeepers right <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah. can deal with that one my um, maid can you go put my <laughs> demonically possessed daughter back in her bed i need to go do a shoot down. like i yeah. better get paid extra for this <laughs> uh, but the other thing that they added, uh, which Freakin wanted, he, it was under his direction. He didn't think it need, was needed in the movie, uh, but it was one of those final scenes between Marin and uh, Karis when they're sitting there on the stairs right after going through the first part of the exorcism where Karis is like, why, why, why this little girl? Like, and then mm. Marin goes in on a little rant, like just explaining it. Freakin took it out because you pretty much got that message throughout the whole course of the movie he didn't think it really was needed to have them explain it to you one last time um but blatty was very insistent until the final cut (laughs) like are you telling me that the director was like you know what people will get it i don't gotta beat him over the fucking head with it i don't need to explain the fucking thing that happens in the movie because if you're watching it you should get it yeah yeah exactly imagine that imagine imagine (laughs) (laughs) take notes some directors in uh, Hollywood yes. out there now. Literally 90% of people making movies right now. Yeah. Uh, but, man, we might as well just hop right into this this classic of a movie. It. Uh, it starts right off in northern Iraq with Father and Father Marin over there. Just, you know, doing some digging. <laughs> doing I, I kind of love this scene, but why the hell is he out there? Now, I saw when I was looking into this, apparently they agreed. They actually filmed this in Iraq and everything. But I guess one of the conditions with working with some of these people and using their their area, they wanted the the directors and the filmmakers to teach them how to make fake blood, I guess. Like everybody, like the people that they were working with over in Iraq and Iran and stuff, apparently they wanted to learn how to make fake blood. So William Friedkin and everybody taught them how to do it. And I guess that was part of the deal. (laughs) I would have liked to know how to make busy. that pea soup. <laughs> it's it's not it's hard, man. Soup. I had to do oh. it for my my promo video I made here, uh, at the <laughs> beginning of the month. I had a my girl had to throw it in my face for the Exorcist video I made. 
If anybody hasn't seen that, go check out my uh, Halloween Spooktacular promo. It was a pretty fun one to make. Definitely got to see it. And just by the way, if we didn't see it, it, it's like it is totally Instagrams or whoever the fucking thing's fault because it just like pushes shit out. And oh, we yeah. don't get to see it sometimes. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> definitely keep promoting it so we know about it for sure. Oh, yeah. Someone digs up this little hole. And I, every, the whole course of this movie, I kept thinking about what would a modern director, a modern horror movie do with this scene? And whenever they dig out that little hole where they find like the little Pazuzu head. I just imagine mm. there's going to be a, a jump scare or some musical sting. If it was a modern day movie, they would have to do some kind of like jump scare, something a bat flies out of the hole or something crazy like that. You know, bat you know. flies out of the hole. They're going to flash that fucking face on the screen <laughs> just so you know that it, yeah. it's, it's a demon. But that's that's the oh, great part the way, about it. They play gonna... it so straight. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but Pazuzu isn't even a demonic spirit. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. So you're, yeah. you're enlightening me here now. Yeah. Uh, I'll be damned if I can remember. Because I looked that up which... recently, and I could have sworn it was like another term for Beelzebub, which is like one of the three, uh, uh, not gods, but three main demons from hell. Okay. The image of Pazuzu is not... Oh, the image. Is... I, I don't know if it's called the same thing it might be called the same thing it might be just pazuzu in general but sure you gotta understand that like christianity and a lot of and a lot of that had adopted these older gods and de deities and kind of demonized them as a way to mm. you know do their thing but like this is an old religion and that deity of pazuzu was actually if i'm not mistaken was used to protect against another fearsome Mm. deity that would like hurt people so okay. Pazuzu's kind of like either like the anti-hero or kind of like a protective uh, uh deity i yeah. forget what it was it's like old as fuck <laughs> like maybe sean will remember not okay so when they talk about it in ghostbusters they talk about like uh gozer and and what was what was the the sumerians yeah well, well Sumerian. sure probably yeah 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 that's what it was so like we're talking about Sumerian and, and pre-Sumerian civilization type shit happening with Pazuzu specifically. Um, if I'm not, if I'm getting that correct. Yeah, and I don't even think they mention Pazuzu itself in this movie. I mean, you get the statue, you get the little head, but I'm not sure if they actually name drop Pazuzu in this movie. I don't think so. I mean, the only reference to the actual demon is Captain Howdy, as yeah. how it addresses itself to Reagan. But like the imagery is most certainly Pazuzu. Yeah, and then, of course, then you get everything subsequently... in that terrible second one with, like, I am Pazuzu. Wow. <laughs> that shit. Yeah. You're right. It's which definitely is, something which, like that. There you go, you know. <laughs> but I always I always uh, felt like, and again, maybe this is just my headcanon, but I always related back to Beelzebub. And I know that's, in some mm -hmm. cultures, that it's just another name for Satan. But I always personally, maybe I'm just talking out my ass here, but I always just, Beelzebub in particular always had to do with famine and bugs and stuff, but... That's again. I could that could be my personal headcanon of of horror or or, or religious uh, uh, antagonist, I suppose. Isn't isn't Beelzebub like exclusively the devil Christian? Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. There's different interpretations of it, and I am not the the the, yeah. for, uh, the forefront the knowledge on it. But that was always my understanding is that in some cultures Beelzebub was more specific. But yeah, he he could also just be another term for Satan for sure. Okay, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. Right now, so don't quote me on any of this. <laughs> if I'm right, though, absolutely quote me on it. 
<laughs> yes, in that case. The, the people that dig up like the little Pazuzu head, they bring it to Marin. He's like, this means something. This means something. I'm going to do an exorcism soon. Okay. Yep. Oh, he's back. Like, cause... <laughs> like he's some kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> or foe. Well, they don't really explain it, but like they state it's a little side mention in the movie is like Marin has had experience with an exorcism at one point. Apparently it, it was close to killing him. It lasted multiple days, yes. but it, it's a very small line in the movie where they mention it is whenever like the, the priests are kind of, judging whether they should go through with the exorcism and whether uh, Karis should do it. But then they throw away that line there. Um, but yeah, Merritt gets the, the head. He's like, oh, he's back. I got to go figure out what, like, what does, what does this mean? <laughs> and uh, he, you find out he has like some kind of, he takes his heart pills. He has like those little white pills, which of course comes up later in the movie. Uh, but he, he goes on his little trip out to find the, the Pazuzu statue where he, he almost gets killed multiple times on the way there. Like, he almost gets hit by, like, a, a big-ass horse and wagon with his old lady, just one little tiny old lady on the back of it. <laughs> it, was, it was GVD. Yeah, he, oh, get, he gets dropped off. <laughs> Brady Van Dam for anybody yeah. that's not familiar with Movie Dumpster. <laughs> I'll stop you, Garris. <laughs> Check out, if you've never seen the movie Bleeders, by the way, if you want any kind of visual, it's basically an old woman in a wheelchair with a shotgun. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't <laughs> want to get too deep. It was a bit of a running joke in our podcast. Oh, I, yeah, I'm familiar. I'm, I, for the people that are watching the show that aren't familiar, yeah, definitely go check out, you know, you need to become dumpster dwellers. Just kind of understand some of your uh, your characters within the, the MDU there. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> I will refrain. Oh, no, you're all good, man. Uh, but yeah, like we said, he almost gets hit by that carriage. Uh, when he gets out of his car, like he almost gets shot by like the the troops that come out to investigate who's there and everything. They just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. Uh, and then when he gets to the statue, the just the dogs are fighting, and there's like they, they do very well with the tension, and kind of the music is kind of crescendoing up as he it comes to that final shot with face to face with that statue, or it looked like he's just about to throw hands with a statue <laughs> in the middle of the desert. <laughs> It's you. And then we head over to Washington, where you get to meet uh, Chris and her daughter, Reagan. Uh, Chris is visiting Washington. She's living there on location because I guess she's shooting a movie uh, with uh, Burke Dennings at the at that point in time. But you kind of get a, accustomed to their house and their, their layout of the house. There's there's noises in the attic, which they, she's saying there's rats. Got to investigate those rats up there. Uh, but I feel like That's rats creepy just by itself. Yeah, it's a little bit of scratching, but then you get like knocking and other like thumping sounds. Yeah. Like I don't know if that's rats. You might want to get that investigated yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> they must be boogieing down up there, man. It must be. There must be a ton of rats in that. In that <laughs> yeah, Will, Willer lives upstairs. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. Let's get the whole it's army Billy around from him. Black Christmas actually. He's up there. Uh... <laughs> she walks in like Reagan's room, and instantly it's it's like it's all already happening because the window's opening. Open already. It's cold. You know, you can see like the her breath is immediately when she walks in the room, and nothing has even happened at that point yet. Really, there, you know? there's a lot of good visual storytelling throughout the whole film, but especially like you're saying in the beginning, audio storytelling too with that opening scene. Mm -hmm. uh, just it really sets a lot of stuff up. Like you got to be paying attention. Like if if you're like sitting there on your phone, you're missing all this good stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. And of course, you get the famous tubular bells, which is like always mistaken for the exorcist theme but this is it's like a kind of alternative prog 
music, like 20 minute song pretty much but you only get it like twice in this movie i'm pretty sure like one towards the ending and then of course here whenever chris is kind of having her little stroll it's like halloween time there's kids looking yeah. like dressed up in costumes she's walking to the set and everything i will um, say that i feel like they did use tubular bells like in all the trailers though so i feel like that's yeah. probably why people also associated it yeah but it's, it's mean, not it nearly in the movie like a halloween playlist thing because of that you know yeah but it's only used like very sparingly like twice and it's very very small amount and there's really not much music in the movie itself i mean there are some in there just kind of give a little bit more atmosphere but there's really not much and i feel like that really is what makes it a little creepier at that same time they definitely do the thing where like if there's a radio on or or there's music in the environment they weave that well as background music yeah they make it more you know uh, immersive Mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken they I'm pretty sure they had music that they were using and then replaced it with tubular bells. I might be wrong on that, but I'm almost positive. There was some, there was a, there was another music track there and they were like, this isn't working and replaced it with that. Okay. And then boom, all of a sudden it became iconic. Yeah, it's huge. You get to see Chris filming her scenes there on like that campus for a little bit. You, uh, Karis is there just kind of watching, which it's your first introduction to him. He doesn't really say much in that scene though. Uh, but you get a little bit of interaction between like her and Burke Dennings. Burke Dennings is a, a, definitely a bigger presence in the book than he is in this movie. So I mean, you you feel the impact of his, you know, his untimely demise more so in the book than you would in the movie here, because it's just kind of thrown on you in the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's just like in the movie. It's kind of like, oh, I'm the director running the uh, basically the movie your mom's working on, and then it's like later on the movie something happens, and you're like, oh. Wait, who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that and then, guy? like, you get you get the rest of the information. You're like, oh, shit. But, like, at first, I'm like, who the hell are they talking about? The drunk dude that was uh, calling the, the German housekeeper a Nazi all the time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, like. The 70s, not far removed from that war when you think about the time period. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Not but... that I'm excusing it. I'm just saying that was definitely a thing you probably heard way more at the time. They draw that out in the book a lot more, too, like his little feud with like Carl and then even like Carl gets investigated for like his murder and everything. It's it's a whole big wow. thing within the books, part of Kinderman's whole detective case that he's working on um, because it, it also comes into play. He also has some quirks like Burke Dennings, like has a habit of like tearing pieces of paper off of his scripts and like chewing on them and eating them. And that kind of really comes into play when they're investigating the murder and how Reagan plays into it a little bit. It goes weird. There's a lot of weird shit in the book and it goes a little bit in more detail with it. Um, But I I think that's what makes it worthwhile going to read the book. So it's a pretty quick read, but it's not exactly the same. But it's great to have Peter Blatty himself do the script and everything for this. So it's the, yeah. It's the author's own interpretation of it for the movie, you know, so it, it's great to have that. You go home from that at that point. Uh, Chris, I love that little interaction with her and Reagan up in her room. She's like tucking her to bed and then she's talking about like what they want to do the next day or that weekend. And she's talking about what she did that day. She went and saw the horses and, and everything. And you get introduced to, like you said, the Ouija board where you mentioned they were downstairs. She was like showing her all of her like little models that she painted like the little parrot that she has and like the ouija board that she was playing that she found that she was messing with but she 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 just totally writes it off she's just like yeah whatever you know because like up until that point again like ouija boards weren't like they were just like a fun party game thing up until Mm -hmm. this and now we're now we're channeling the the uh 
spirit of a demon <laughs> into the house, or at least communicating with it. Via, well, uh, I mean, yeah. they never said goodbye, Joe. They never said goodbye. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> right. And they never even like outright right. say it. It's because of the Ouija board either. It's That's also kind yeah. of its little own little throwaway thing. It was like, oh, you were just playing with a Ouija yeah. board. Like, where'd you find that? And then like they sit down and the, the piece moves across the, the right. board. Yeah. But other than that, you don't really get much other than that. It leaves it open for interpretation. Like, maybe that's how it happened. Who knows? Well, to your point, yeah, like, because the window opens itself before, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the same thing of just, is like poltergeist-type activity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not necessarily via the Ouija board itself, but it is interacting with it. it that's just one of those things that got picked up by the satanic panic, and I, I would have to assume people that like the movie... Uh, and, and just it, it turned into a thing. Uh, but well, you're right, outside, Joe. It's kind of funny. The, yeah, because spirit boards have been around since what? Religion. The Victorian times, just about. Uh, even older than that. But mm. it well, there was a resurgence in Victorian times. Mm. Um, and then even into the uh, when I'm not sure. Man, I always get this messed up. But definitely in the 20s, like uh, Aleister Crowley and uh, Madame Blavatsky and all that. Um, and the Order of the, the, the uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and stuff like that. They would go, they you know, all of that stuff came back. And the tarot cards were like, you know, even the tarot itself, like they were just playing cards. Like there's a mm. game you can play with tarot. And then it only, what, what's so bizarre to me is how young it is that we've, attached a supernatural element to those things or mm-hmm. like a, a negative connotation to those things or like spirit telling like now people are telling like on you know reading tea leaves in the palms of your hand and shit like that and that was only put on tarot cards uh in the late 1700s early 1800s like it, it's very young uh in terms of his historical uh 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 longevity right okay uh, and even like the even like the ouija board itself like the spirit board goes back a, a ways but like it only gets demonized it from specifically the exorcist yeah and then on so like that's even younger you know in the fucking 70s so yeah like, and then you got other horror movies spe- yeah, specifically exactly, yeah. ouija and ouija 2 and then yes. like all these other horror movies that yeah. also used it as well yeah yeah they're just banking off yeah. of that and piggybacking off of that and, and since you mentioned it, uh, Ouija 2, pretty good. Ouija 1, just fucking skip it because it ruins Ouija 2. <laughs> I, I've never seen either of them, so maybe it. I'll have to see Ouija 2. Uh, I saw them both when I was both incredibly fucked up, but the second one I actually thought was actually good. But it's a prequel, so like the thing that happened at the end of the first one, I forgot about. And then I'm watching the movie, and literally at the end I remembered, and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't remember any of that while watching the movie. You also would have spoiled the twist. Yeah, you got to get a J boy for it to be good. Understood. <laughs> well, not the second one, the first one. Oh. Absolutely, you. Need you. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, you get that cool scene between like Reagan and, and Chris getting their little their bond together. Uh, kind of get to know these characters. She taught actually tells her about Captain Howdy in that scene, her like imaginary yeah. friend. Uh, and then of course they have that that little cool like nice little bedroom talk where she's tucking her into bed, talking about what they're going to do. And they actually have that in the book as well, where they actually go out and have like a day out and they go to like the Washington monument and go to the mall and everything. But they, they didn't have that time to put, they have the scenes filmed, but apparently lost like the audio track apparently when they tried to find it and put it into like the version you never seen and everything similar to the ending that they initially had planned with Kinderman and a uh, father Dyer. They had like a, 
like uh, my friend, I think there's going to be a start of a beautiful friendship and everything, but they lost the audio track and it was so muffled that they couldn't use it at all. So it's just kind of a deleted scene at that point where you can just kind of see just the video of it. You don't have any audio. But even to your point, like I feel like that that interaction they have in the bedroom is enough. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's very sentimental and, and you really get the, the breath of the relationship and I don't know, them, them, them doing stuff together and the, the innocence therein of both of them, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like the innocence that, that's portrayed with Reagan in just a short amount of time that you see her before everything, yeah. of course, goes haywire. It, it's very effective. And she's even like a little bit older, but he has an even younger child-like uh, presence about her. Mm-hmm. Even the way she talks and things like that, it's very like kind of cutesy and like. Especially when she's talking about like the horse, she's like, "Oh, mom, yeah. it was so beautiful. <laughs> Can we yeah, get the one, horses please?" Are so pretty. I mean, that's just like Linda Blair's cadence, but like, yeah. it helps the it helps sell it. For sure. You have a nice little scene like that, and then you kind of go take a little bit of a darker turn, and you go with Father Karras, and he takes the train all the way to like to Manhattan or Brooklyn somewhere to visit his mom. His mom's living in this like little crummy apartment and everything. They they have dinner together, and you're like, man, this is a nice old lady. I I hope nothing bad happens to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Demi. Demi. Why you do this to it, me, Demi? Why you do this to me, Demi? <laughs> But I love, I love all of this stuff with with uh, with Karis because, um, again, these are the steps. Like he, you know, in his head, he's just like, you know, this is God's plan for me. This is just the way it is. You know, I'm just gonna do my best and blah blah blah. But like his kind of descent into, I don't, I wouldn't say becoming unfaithful, but definitely questioning, yeah, his faith losing his faith big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they also that play up the whole. They play up the whole thing, too, where he's like, Ma, you're out here by yourself. Why don't you come with me back to D.C.? Yeah. And, you know, it's that whole thing where it's like, she's like, fuck, I'm not going to leave my house just because you, you want me my to. Home. So it's that struggle yeah. of him. He wants to help his mom, but she wants her independence, but he's far away. And that's like a point yeah. of contention for his character throughout the film that he's worried about her. Yeah, I feel like you see that a lot with like, especially like around that time of film with like some of the older folks who are like, this is my home. I've been here all these years. I'm not leaving it. And like, hey, I completely the understand she it get, at that point. She, she gets sick and becomes incompetent and he has to put her in a home, but he can't afford it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like a shitty place where she ends up. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like... That's, I mean, that that hits me fucking hard, man. Mm-hmm. Part of it is definitely whatever Pazuzu or what have you is definitely doing something to her, as we find out. But yeah, that is like holy shit. That goes one way that you don't expect. Uh, I guess it's up for debate, but that's how the movie presents <laughs> it: is that it's because of Pazuzu that she dies. I don't. If nothing I else, I think I think it's just an unfortunate event. I think it's just because he's old, you know. Yeah. And it's just the, no, that's sure. that's just the way the fucking life rolls the dice at you. Because I don't think any I don't think Bazuzu affects anything outside. If you if it even is Bazuzu affects something outside of where it's currently residing in Reagan. I mean, there are parallels, but not yet. We don't get there yet, right? True, but yeah. to, to be not, fair, the part that involved, he's not involved yet. Yeah, right. But correct. But we are also jumping out a little bit because that part doesn't actually happen till he's involved. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, but I throughout like that apartment, you also get kind of a 
like they don't say it, but you kind of get some of his past and stuff. Like you get pictures of him, like as a boxer. You find out he's a former boxer and everything, which comes up eventually yeah. a little bit later. Uh, but there's like pictures of him with like medals and stuff hanging on the wall, and then it's kind of heartbreaking because you see like he wants to, like we mentioned, he wants to put her in a home or get her out of there at least, and she's just refusing. And then like as he's leaving, when she's falling asleep, he like slips money onto her her dresser and everything for her and everything. Like he's doing everything he can to look out for his mom, and she's just not not about it she just wants to stay where she's at she's happy where she's where she's been all these years you think he took that out of like the donations from the church oh man i don't know i Karis is a good guy i don't know if he would do that <laughs> that's out <laughs> of his own paid? pocket do, man. Priest, do priests get get paid how does that work i mean he's a psychiatrist too, isn't he so maybe he gets paid for just doing like that work i don't know i don't know if he gets paid for I mean, being a priest yeah, I guess. oh yeah that's right he is a psychiatrist duh yeah so i I don't know if what the specifics are of being a psychiatrist priest. Like, can you only analyze <laughs> other priests, or how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. There are stipulations, right? <laughs> yeah, I can assume. he get paid? <laughs> he's, yeah. he's given mom part of his government stipend. Because it seems like the place he's living, <laughs> where you see his apartment, it seems like that's where like all these other priests are living. Oh yeah, like, it's one like kind of housing development community for them. <laughs> I think they gotta be making money. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about priests. I, I I went to how many years of uh, CCD? I don't I have no idea. I just I it never dawned on me to ask the question. I I always just thought in my brain like, oh yeah, well they work for the church and the church pays them. But I'm like now I'm actually <laughs> like thinking about it. <laughs> then you get that that. Uh, it's a small scene, but it's a really good scene where he meets like his his buddy Tom, who's another priest. Mm. Uh, they're at a bar having a couple of drinks, and that's when he tells him, "Like, man, you you gotta get me out of here. You gotta you gotta move me." He's like, "I don't I don't even want to do this anymore. I just want you to transfer me, get me out hell out of here." He's like, "Well, we just can't do it, man. You're you're our best guy. Like, what do you want us to do? We can't just let you go willy nilly." He's like, "All right, well, how about this? I lost my faith." <laughs> and he's like, oh shit. Well, yeah. All right. <laughs> I guess I gotta consider now. <laughs> I but like then that, that guy. Like chases him do. down like the whole movie to try to be like, "Well, are you sure?" It, Not it, literally, but you know what I mean. It's a small scene, but it reminds me a little bit of that same bar scene you get in like Exorcist Three with like Kinderman and a uh, Father Dyer a little bit. Yeah, but it, it's kind yeah, of a little, absolutely. little similar. He, just the observation of like you know he's you know he needs to he needs to stop so he can spend more time or de- devote more time to his mother and and working on all that stuff you know. And then, of course, you get some a little bit more development within Reagan and Chris's life. Chris is flying off the handle. She's mad because Reagan's dad didn't call her on her birthday. Apparently, he's out in, like, you know, another country somewhere doing whatever. They don't really go into detail. But, man, you could have called your daughter for her birthday, man. Come on. Well, this is a this is a point this is a point of contention too because it's like uh, you see this in a lot of possession and or like poltergeist cases where there's something big happening between whether it's a divorce or problems mm-hmm. in the house or whatever or like high stress environments for kids and then you know just like the Enfield poltergeist case and all that kind of stuff where they're the kids are being possessed and they're speaking in different languages and tongues and all this weird shit um, so I like the fact that like Reagan is susceptible to the entity entering her via this way because she's I mean, clearly under stress and like trying to just put on a happy face yeah while we're in washington and, for now you know and, and, and she's she moving all over the place too she has no friends you know what i mean right but i mean she's, she's also most of the time she's neglected i mean her dad yeah, doesn't want to talk up. to her her mom's yeah. always working yeah she's just hanging yeah. out with carl and 
Willie, or I think that's the other housekeeper's name, but yeah, she's just hanging out with the housekeepers when she's not at school or whatever. I, yeah, doing yeah, doing arts and crafts in the basement. Yeah, playing with a Ouija board and Captain Howdy. <laughs> well, that's why she invents that uh, Captain... Well, debatable whether she invented, she invented it. That's it. why she yeah. has the imaginary friend, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it isn't Pazuzu. Maybe it's just a ghost of just some, like, uh, cowboy named Captain Howdy. Cowboy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John Wayne's ghost. Cowboy. Yeah. Let me tell you, pilgrim. <laughs> Slap your I'm mother across the face. You there, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we were talking it's about on the earlier. Floor now, would you? I don't think he was dead at that point, but hey, what the hell? It's pretty warm in here, pilgrim. Open up those windows. Get a little colder in here. <laughs> Captain Howdy says hello. No, it's fucking D. Snyder, right? Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> from from Strangeland. Oh, that specific version of him. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of builds off of that because that, I guess it cuts to that night as well. And like she gets a call in the middle of the night and she wakes up and she turns over and Reagan's like in her bed with her. She's like, what, what are you doing in my bed? Go back to your room. Come on now. You're old enough. She's like, my bed's shaking. She's like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> your bed shaking. <laughs> if my kid told me that their bed was shaking... I would go like sleep in the bed with them and see what happens. Yeah, like, like, that's fucking. I, I need weird. to confirm this. <laughs> not, not, not that you heard a noise or there was something in my closet or something under the bed. The bed is shaking. Yeah, right. I don't know. You think that would out. be a cause for concern? Yeah, a <laughs> uh, big one. <laughs> yeah, but then she she hears the noises in the attic again. She's like, "Damn it, Carl! You didn't deal with those goddamn rats. I gotta go up and check it myself." <laughs> I did. I, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> so she she does the old like like Victorian route and gets the big ass candle with it and just yeah. goes up into the attic. Not a flashlight or anything. Yeah. Didn't have one of those around. Just grab this big ass candlestick and just walk up into the attic. And you get kind of like the only like jump scare of the movie, I guess. It was like the flame just bursts up and Carl yeah. just comes up like, "What are you doing? I told you about the. There's no rats." <laughs> <laughs> That scene was done pretty well, though, like up in the attic. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely really creepy. I think though. so. It's very creepy. I, especially if you've never seen it, because it's like, what the hell is even up there? Like, what could be up there? Yeah. There's a, there's a dead uh, co-ed in a rocking chair with plastic wrapped around her face. Yeah. Right, Black Christmas, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, it's like exactly. a, a hereditary where it's like they're keeping bodies like up there in the attic oh, somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a secret coven. They're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to summon or resurrect their, uh, their goddess or god whatever yeah uh, payment yeah. or whatever it was i forget yeah, yeah. all chris the, the, the had what? to do was move something and there would have been just this huge like mark on the floor uh, right. like a pentagram or oh, something yeah, right. <laughs> I, i'm gonna Maybe. say the, the witches from that movie are definitely working with the ones from the Suspiria make uh a remake they're definitely you know exchanging numbers calling each other oh. did that work for you it worked for us <laughs> it, it, one of the, the the fourth mother for sure yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah, were you, were you naked? Were you doing it right? <laughs> you got you got to be you naked. One of the students to, <laughs> did you get one of the students to convulse and twist their body and spine all over the place in, a, in a, by themselves in a room with glass? Yes or no? Oh, okay, bro, that's that scene was gnarly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so it's a good remake. Again. But after you get the jump scare, uh, you mm. you head off to the church where the, you see the priest kind of setting up for the day, and man. Somebody desecrated the church, put a big old dong and some, some big old tits on that, that statue, and the priest was not happy about it. No, it looks better, arguably. 
I mean, right? yeah, one could argue. <laughs> <laughs> you got something to look at at church finally. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. brilliant. They added something new. <laughs> I'm going to come back next week, see what else they add. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the holy dong. Yeah. I believe you get some of that stuff in like The Exorcist 3 as well. They definitely go more more into it in the book, um especially because in the book they actually kind of have explanation that Reagan is the one doing this shit. Reagan's the one like sneaking out and desecrating the church and doing all this crazy it's shit, crazy. which is interesting. You think they would have slid something into the movie about like cuz they had that scene but they never really go back to it other than Kinderman just mentioning somebody desecrated a church. I think that would have been a little bit far-fetched and it would have been hard to connect the dots in a film. Maybe, yeah. For what they're doing here, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a little much, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, because in the book, the way they, they link it is because the same paint that they, they put on the dong and everything on the statue <laughs> is the, they, they you know, analyze it and they find it's the same paint that Reagan uses on like her, like, her arts and crafts and shit because Kinderman ends gotcha. up stealing like one of her paintings or whatever. Whenever she goes, he hmm. goes and visits Chris and then he analyzes like, all right, that's a match. It's this girl, but how am I going to just arrest this girl? Right. No. Well, and again, the movie, I feel like they don't have that in there cause they just want to be like, Nope, it's she's possessed. There's no, there's yeah. no question about it. That's the movie. Well, and it's already regardless a two, a, a two hour, not, 20 minute movie, yeah. too. True. Yeah, regardless, they're going to cut stuff in the book. I'm just saying, I feel like maybe specifically it was cut because they don't want any question, you know, for you to doubt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a straight up possession. And they even like the, the version you've never seen even furthers that by like, add, digitally adding like the faces on, like at the, whenever Reagan has right. like the psychiatrist over. And even with whenever the, the spirit goes into karis at the end like you see that little demon face kind of pop up on his face <laughs> that they added in there which which is fine uh, it's like i, I could do with do or do without it i don't need it yeah i agree contacts and everything it's 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 enough you know? yeah but then you head to the probably the most 70s office you've ever seen doctor's office it's oh yeah green horrifying. and orange and nasty you're starting to see reagan kind of turn into that this other person like she's saying like that line that she has where he's like testing her reflexes and everything she's like i don't feel anything or whatever like damn oh with like the uh the thing on the knee and it's like <laughs> yeah. no reaction yeah, he's yeah. like well do you feel yeah. that and he, she's just not paying attention at all and she's like i don't feel anything and just snaps at him Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. What did you do? Uh, yeah, because because mom's running all these tests on her. She's like, she doesn't know what the hell's wrong with her daughter, and she's like taking her to like every specialist. The mother laughs because they, I think there's like she's at the gynecologist at one point. She's like, oh jeez, I can't believe she said that. Oh and yeah, then, oh yeah. yeah. Something's up with your daughter. <laughs> she's fucking waxing about horses, and now all of a sudden she's cursing like a sailor. Yeah, like what's going on here? Because. Like you mentioned, he the first diagnosis is like he thinks it's like a disorder of the nervous system or like her brain, pretty much yeah. because of everything that's going on, like with her parents or at home, like you mentioned before. Where it's like, yeah, I guess that's obviously like the first step you're going to take, but it's it's kind of a drastic swing. And and I think it's kind of a funny scene where it cuts back to her just kind of hanging out in that little office, and she's just like humming to herself, just staring off into the distance, like bouncing off the wall. Yeah, just, yeah, like touching the fucking door and, like, and stuff. If she was a, if she wasn't that old, that would just be regular like toddler behavior. I feel like yeah. <laughs> just walking around. But that she's was definitely a, preparing for the scene. coming of Gozer. 
the Gozer. Maybe that that's who Captain Howdy is. It's Gozer. It, it's it's a, possible. It's oh, a, God. <laughs> Gozer's really hoping for Reagan to summon Stay Puff. Didn't, didn't quite make it there in time. This though, is no. the, the spiritual prequel to, to Ghostbusters. It's possible. <laughs> I, I could connect those dots if you wanted me to, Wyatt. <laughs> the Pazuzas, the Sumerians. The yeah. It's all here. You got a few hours? And the doctor's like, oh, has she... She's been used to swearing at all because she used a pretty uh, choice couple words with me here. And she's like, well, she never yeah. swore. What does she say? And he's like, well, I don't know if I'm inclined to say. And she's like, no, tell me. Yeah. I want to know. He's like, well, she kind of told me to take my fingers away from her fucking cunt. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh. It's like, oh, okay, so maybe she did learn this from you. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> well, that's definitely what the doctor's thinking. Yeah. yeah. When is what is when is mom saying that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some gentleman suitors coming over to the house every now and then. Oh no. Chris Get gets around when on her business vacations and film her doing films. I mean she's in the States, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Quick, I just want to cap that off because they are living in the penthouse suite of Spook Central at the moment. It is a rental. It is a rental. That's true. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Like to the, no. the steps and everything? Nah. No, I definitely want to go some sometime. It's not li- li- live two hours from it. I don't know why I've never gone, but yeah. I was there once by complete accident. Like, I didn't go there. on Like, I was there for something else, and on our way out of D.C., like, we were out at light, and I looked over. I was like, those steps look kind of familiar. Oh. And I was like, holy shit. And then we just pulled off and walked over, and sure enough, they have, like, the plaque and everything there, and you can oh walk God. up the steps and see the house and stuff. But it was just by that's chance. Really cool. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. We just stumbled upon this. I mean, I've yeah, definitely, in New there. York, walked past the, uh, the the firehouse. The Ghostbusters firehouse, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I've never Maybe seen that next in person time. yet. Oh, that, it's really, it's it's smaller than you think, actually. Really? Um. Yeah, maybe when we go visit uh, Justin Esquivel from Epic Film Guys, we'll go check out uh, the Exorcist Steps in D.C. Yeah, shout out to Epic Film Guys. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> check, out, check out those steps. We got to go. So we, we switched to another, like you already said, Joe, a little bit earlier. This is a pretty depressing part of the movie. Karis's, like uncle, his mother's brother, like committed her into like this. Is it a hospital? Is it like a... a they don't really explain what it is because it looks like it's like a psychiatric ward in a way, like a one flew over it's the cuckoo's definitely... nest type area. Cause you see all those like women gathering around him. Like whenever he, as soon as he walks into the room, it's very, it's a nursing home, but it's, you know, for eccentric uh, or not eccentric, but like older people with like dementia and, you know, just old people. That's where they stick them, you know, yeah. when they, they don't want to deal with them, you know? And it's one of the lower, on the lower end too. This is like, this is like the fucking Oliver Twist house for, 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 for old people in terms of like money wise, because the uncle just stuck her in there. Cause that's only good afford. Yeah. You know, without even consent of Damien. Yeah. Didn't even tell him. And it's such a depressing scene, man, especially when he goes up to her. And that's where we were kind of making fun. He's like, Dimmy, why you do this to me, Dimmy? Yeah. And then she doesn't even, like, want to talk to him. She just, like, turns away. She's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, I... leave my sight. He had nothing to do with it. It was out of his control. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's so depressing, it's man. It's very depressing. But I want yeah. to say, doesn't he, maybe it's while she's in there or right before she goes in there, doesn't he have, like, that vision? 
Uh, I believe that might be a little later. Is that a it, little later? It, it, yeah, it's it's not long after this. Okay, okay. We're, yeah, we're we're about to get there here in a minute. Immediately after this, like he, he, this is the only way he can really stress at this point. He just goes and starts boxing. He goes to the gym, starts boxing. You know, he, as you see a little later, he he starts running. Like he goes to the track and runs. But that's the only way he can really keep his mind off of everything that's going on at this point in time between losing his faith and everything that's going on with his, his personal life and his job. And then, of course, his mom on top of it and everything. Blown off steam. And I think that's a cool visual storytelling for that character in particular. Like, you don't have to say anything. Like, clearly, that's what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point in the movie, it's just hopping back and forth between these getting to know all these characters throughout the whole movie. You head back to Chris's house for her, her party that she's having. Uh, you get introduced to Father Dyer, who's a pretty cool character. He's like a, a Brian Cranston, I liken him to, before Brian Cranston. Like, he's so similar looking to Brian. Like, if they remade Exorcist, well, I know we're getting an Exorcist movie with David Gordon Green for some reason. Um, but maybe Brian Cranston could be a Father Dyer in this movie. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, and maybe there could be like another priest that like beats him up and like takes his, you know, his lunch his money, whatever, just bullies, <laughs> takes his rosary beads. Yeah, give me your beads. <laughs> I need it for the exorcism. <laughs> no, don't, don't don't worry because you will get that cool remake and they'll be like, no 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 no, it's got to be three fucking movies. We got to stretch this out for three movies. Yeah, the first one will probably be pretty good. The second one's going to feel yeah. pretty bloated and not needed. And then the third one's going to, it's not even going to be about an exorcism. It's going to be about no. something completely different. <laughs> it's going to be about, it's about going to get a Philly cheesesteak and it like not being the best one in town or something. Who who knows? Oh, that's went pretty the, bad. Went to Pats or Geno's instead of like Dallas <laughs> Andros, man. Like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. What are you doing, man? Exactly. <laughs> well, you might as well just go to fucking Primo's at that point. At least it's them. decent. <laughs> like, what are you good. doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh but it is like a the next scene is this dinner is like this party that she's having you get introduced to father dyer who happens to talk to chris about karis and even even mentions about like his mom just passed like oh i feel for him he's going through a lot his mom just passed he's like yeah. I, I just saw her like two minutes ago when how did she die already he's like she was he just saw her in the last scene but of course you get like the the scene that like scary movie parodied and the other stuff like reagan comes down it tells the astronaut there that he's gonna die up there which is pretty wild <laughs> like the astronaut that fucks him up and like in the books it fucks oh, him he, up <laughs> i mean it would fuck me up yeah and then she just pisses all over the rug I talk about a haunting scene again yeah it's been parodied but like Come on, if that happened and it's you were there, you're gonna laugh at that shit. Yeah. I'd be pretty She's disturbed. Sick. She's feeling sick. They're having a great time singing show tunes, playing a piano, having a great fucking, fucking party. Piano. <laughs> He's like, Oh, we got a we got a guest here. He's like, You're gonna die. <laughs> like, oh, party's over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like this next scene where Father Dyer goes home and he he actually goes and visits Karis first. And I and it's just a small scene you get with them, but you really get their their bond and their friendship. And just that little tiny scene yeah. where they're kind of hanging out and drinking a little bit. And, of course, Karis is just out of it. He's a little drunk. And then, like, kind of lays him out on the bed, takes his shoes off. And he's like, oh, you're going to steal my shoes now? <laughs> and they're, like, just cracking jokes with him. <laughs> I, like that they go to, I like that they go to see movies together and stuff. Yeah. 
I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, and I, I like that about Kinderman's character too. Every person he talks to, he's like, "Oh, you like movies? I get free passes. You like film? <laughs> he's like, "I've seen it." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, another one, eh?" <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, um, you ever see that one where the guy? I don't know. <laughs> The guy. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> the guy. Well, that's how he's tricking him, and they get it. He's like, he's lonely, right? He wants to go go to the movie theater. Yeah, but exactly. It was a bad joke. Fucking sue me. <laughs> Exercise me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just like that little scene between Father Dyer and Karis. They're kind of bonding. Uh, kind of good. Like Karis is just spilling his heart out to Dyer a little bit, just letting him know what everything's going on. And Dyer's just there to listen and help his buddy out. And then we go into that, that dream se- sequence that you mentioned earlier, Sean. And mm. I, I love that dream sequence is where he's just kind of across the road and his mom's coming up out of that subway and he's just trying to call for her yeah. and everything. Oh. I, I guess maybe, maybe you're right, Joe. Maybe that is before he's uh, actually involved with the case. I could have sworn it was, but it's still some pretty no, haunting yeah. imagery that this, that this well, whole situation's yeah. mother is just like, I mean, I guess I understand where he's coming from, but it's really just literally talk about haunting. It's literally haunting his dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to to your point, you know, he he's also um, not in a good place mentally to deal with what happens with Reagan. And that's why he gets the help from um, Max von Sydow. Yeah. You know, to do it. Because he goes in there and tries and, you know, he's not strong enough. And then, of course, we'll get to it later. But, uh, you know, all of the, the taunts that come from from the demon and things like that regarding his mother. And then you get one of the, probably like we mentioned before, one of the more disturbing moments of the movie. And it's not even having to deal with the exorcism. It's they, they take Reagan in for all those, those procedures that she has to go through. And they say that she has like a disturbance in the brain. They have like an x-ray scene and then they take her in to, to get the x-ray and they like put a needle in her neck and like the blood's gushing out of her neck and everything. It's, it's yeah. hard to Ugh. watch because it feels like you're actually watching yeah. the procedure being done. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was hilarious because the doctor that's that's doing it looks exactly like Weird Al with the glasses and the mustache <laughs> and shit. And I was like, bro, I just couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about Weird Al doing this. Like a and surgeon? Yeah. Exactly. I was about to like, say he's going to break it out. Exactly. <laughs> hey! Start singing. <laughs> Cat for the very first time. Different twist on the film altogether. They're saying that she has like disturbance in the brain. It's something to keep an eye on because they're they're checking the x-rays and they're not really seeing anything in the x-rays either. And that's what's really disturbing. And that's they're, they're trying to stay away from going to a psychiatrist. That was like one of the last things they wanted to do. My my guess was because, yeah. they, of course, they wanted to kind of rake the fucking money out of you while you can. Do all the tests, do all this shit, and then, hey, then worry about a psychiatrist. Why not? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and Ellen's just, like, fucking going nuts. She's smoking, like, cigarette after cigarette and just, like, you know. And, again, she's breaking down. She's also trying to focus on the fucking movie she's trying to make and has to take a break to help her daughter. Yeah. You know? And, like, immediately when they get home, she's, like, bouncing off her bed and shit. And so they have to call the doctor. The doctors make the house yeah. call. And they go up. And they're like, holy shit, what do we do now? Because she's literally bouncing like, uh... off of the bed, <laughs> screaming for help. Yeah. Like, what do you How do? do? We do? Here's the bill. See ya. I, but I do kind of love, because you're not expecting this from a doctor, of all people. They're like, uh, have you ever considered demonic possession uh, or getting an exorcist? I, I think it's specifically say, have you thought about getting an exorcist? But it's like, yeah, you're getting this from a medical professional. Like, we've tried everything. We don't know what else. And it's not even like one or two of We're... them. They they bring her into a boardroom full of right. doctors. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we kind of recommend exorcism in this case. <laughs> like, holy shit. The, this, the scene where everything's flying around the room and the bureau that pushes itself against the door and stuff. That is some of the most terrifying shit 
mm-hmm. um, ever put to film, in my opinion. Um, just from like, there's no music happening. It's just the sound effects. It's very, very disturbing. I love it. And that night when Chris comes home, she finds out that that Burke's dead. She they she came home from the doctor. It was like right after they found like they recommend doing an exorcism and everything. She comes home and like the cops and everything are outside of those steps, just yeah. kind of investigating. Sharon's not nobody's there at the house, and Chris is pissed <laughs> because her her crate like her daughter that's going through all this shit is alone now. Uh, Sharon comes home saying that Burke was the she left her with Burke. Burke was going to be watching her. Like I don't know why you would leave her with a an alcoholic who's drunk all the time. Which 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 is. Extra fuck- write it off. Well, right, but it's it's extra fucked up when you actually find out what. It, well, they don't ever straight up say what happens. It's a lot of in, infer, inferation, I guess is the way to word that. Uh, where it's like you have to kind of. Add, the characters also put it together as you're putting it together as a as an audience member. But when they're explaining yeah. the circumstances, it's like, oh, oh, oh. It, it, I don't know. It's really good storytelling. Window. Yeah, and immediately whenever, because the you don't even really know who the dude is that comes in and breaks the news. He's like, "Oh, have you heard?" And she's like, I'm, "I've been doing enough. I don't. What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Oh, I guess you haven't heard." <laughs> and tells her about Burke being dead. And then as soon as he leaves, this is the last thing you need: is your your sick daughter spider crawling down the stairs, bleeding <laughs> out of her mouth and growling. Yeah. Man, like this is immediately after finding out your director's <laughs> dead. <laughs> And this happens. Yeah, <laughs> which maybe is why that gets cut out of that original version. Yeah, I can see. I, that. I guess. Oh, I'm um, sorry. That's not, that's not the guy who gets thrown out the window, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because the oh, whole thing is, is okay. they talk about how that alley behind her house, which now of course is a famous like land uh, landmark people yeah, go yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is like a death trap. If you fall down the stairs, you're gonna die because they think, oh, we fell down the stairs. But then they find out later when they're like looking at the crime scene. Or again, I don't remember if they actually say it in the movie, but it's a lot of inferred like, oh, he was by the window and yeah. and she said the yeah. thing and it's yeah, implied like she his... pushed him out the window cynetically or, or or something like that. Well, no, no, it's it's inferred that she twisted his fucking head around oh, and killed right, him right. and then threw him, threw out, him the out the window. window. Like he right. was dead before he went out with with the power of whatever's possessing her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I. Th- those stairs are literally like a death trap, though. Like, when you go to them, they're so narrow and they're so damn steep. If you trip, you're done going down. And it's easy to yeah. trip on them, I feel, because of how they're made. They're, they're scary just to, to walk up and down. They make me think of, like, a baseball stadium. It's like sometimes you're walking down those, like, higher uh, yeah, levels. Yeah. You're like, shit, I better oh, yeah. be super careful. Oh, especially if you're twisted. Edge. <laughs> drinking and stuff, watching a game or yeah, whatever. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got a couple beers. <laughs> yeah, you got to go slow down them stairs if you go. You're hugging it. that railing. <laughs> yeah. You got to go down backwards like a fucking ladder. And go <laughs> you definitely don't want your head twisted in the opposite direction and, and, no. and yeeted out a window into your, you know, to the bottom. <laughs> that's for not. sure. Not at all. <laughs> but yeah, they um, definitely, they think he just fell down the stairs. That's, that's, you're, you, you guys are right. That's why they just yeah. kind of write it off at first. Yeah, exactly. Because they recommend a psychiatrist, they, they bring a psychiatrist to the house to, to figure out what's going on with Reagan. Reagan's having none of it. I mean, she they they <laughs> they put her under hypnosis, but I mean, you, I don't know if you can put Pazuzu under hypnosis, man. That you just gonna well, give you the Reagan old dick twist hypnosis. and take you to the ground. Yeah, I grabs a handful. I do wonder though, and I didn't look this up, but uh, I wonder if that that this is the movie that trope was created in, because that's used a ton in, in other. 
<laughs> no, I think they had that one figured out before uh, oh, okay. The Exorcist. No, specifically oh, uh, the man. idea of them hypnotizing the person and then talking to the the, the demon or ghost or whatever. Um, yeah, the I guess hypnotic it, regression stuff is, is was big in like the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah you wanted to speak to the person inside Reagan. Uh, but yeah, she grabs, grab, grabs them by the dick and takes them to the ground. And I watched behind the scenes is so crazy because they actually had to make that contraption because the way they shot it, 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 it follows him the whole way down to the ground. Mm, so they built yeah. just this huge wooden contraption that they just, just strapped the camera onto and they just had him sit in it and it just rocks the whole way back to the floor with the camera still on there. And it just looks so cheaply made and everything. And I was just so like, if that camera falls on this dude's face, he's done. And it <laughs> crush his head. Yeah, he's done. Like, because we're talking about Freakin like a thirty-five millimeter, <laughs> like Ari or something, dude. Yeah, freak, freaking like giant fucking cinema lens on it. Just screw yeah, it to a piece like, of plywood. We'll be fucking fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. We don't have the yeah. budget to do anymore. If it falls on his face. We'll recast him. <laughs> yeah. fine. We'll find another. The next day, Kinderman he actually visits Karis at the. He's running around the track a little bit. Lee J. Cobb, he's great in this movie, but after you know watching Exorcist 3 this whole time, we should have had George C. Scott in this movie. Why are you encouraging you to shut your mouth? It is not in the file. He would have been incredible. The problem, I think, is he probably wouldn't have had a lead role, and that's why he would have been like, no, I don't, I'm not taking it. You know? That's why he did the changeling. So he just said, fuck it. There's not well, too yeah. many scenes of him yelling either, so, I mean, that's that's another no. thing. George C. Scott has to well, yell yeah. in some of these movies if he's going to be <laughs> yes. in At least not once. in the file. It's not in the file. <laughs> <laughs> I think he definitely has at least one of those in the changing. He's pretty He's pretty calm for most of that movie, but there's at least one scene for sure where he's yelling about he's, something. He's got a He's got a couple, yeah. yeah. He is great, man. <laughs> oh, he's so good. He is. Crazy fucking drunk. yeah that too that too uh but yeah he visits karis at the track uh he's talking about the case that he's working on he specifically talks to karis because karis has a background and he he wrote like a thesis or a paper on witchcraft and everything and black magic and that's really why he came to him because of the desecrations at the church on top of the murder that's happening he kind of wants to know if there if he has like an inside source or if maybe if one of the people he's kind of treating like one of his patients maybe he has an in or he can tell him about him um and i love the dialogue that he has with him saying like well i know you're it's like doctor patient confidentiality so you probably wouldn't tell me Either way, and he's like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that interaction between them. He talks about like, oh, they told me to look for a guy that looks like a boxer. He's like, there's no mistake in it. You're, you're definitely a boxer. You got the fucking towel around your neck and everything there, kiddo. Immediately when they're done talking business, oh, do you, you like movies? I like movies. Like, yeah. You want to go see him? I get tick, I get free passes all the time. You want to go see one? And he even like says like, oh, I'm going to see this picture starring so and so, and he's like, oh, I've seen it. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe another it. time. <laughs> we can go on a date another night if you want. So like he's I'm, this dude's so lonely. I want someone to talk to about it. Yeah. yeah. The next scene is what we already mentioned with the doctors proposing the exorcism, oh, okay, uh, yeah. and that it's they're saying that it may not even be her being possessed. It's more so the power of suggestion that maybe she thinks she's possessed. Right. And by performing an exorcism, it'll automatically like just clear up everything. Exactly. Not necessarily saying that demons are real or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. But she believes it in her mind. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's odd because immediately, like when she goes home and everything, she finds like the cross under Reagan's pillow, and she starts freaking out, like, "Who the hell put this cross in here?" Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, because they're not religious, is the thing. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know if they ever say this or if you were about to say this, why? But I think it's heavily implied that director dude put that there, and that's why he goes fucking neck twisted and thrown out the window. It's possible because in the book they find a Bible instead of a cross oh. and they find a and they find I the bible was... in there and when they open the bible they find pieces of the pages torn off like burke did whenever he would like chew pieces of paper and shit oh. that's why they're saying is like reagan that's more of the direct evidence linking reagan to killing burke and throwing him out the window and everything okay it needs to be more ambiguous uh, i agree you know, especially for the movie i thought it was i thought it was the maid or something that had put it under the pillow but that's that's also possible the, yeah questions are at one point the mother that's yeah. true yeah, and I mean that's that's more so because of the book. Like I mentioned before, they they try to blur the line whether she is really possessed or if it is all in her head. That's why they're kind of throwing yeah. this other stuff out there to kind of make you guess, to make you kind of figure it out. I mean, I like it either way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, we we all know what she does with that cross. Oh yeah, hey, oh. we're gonna get to that here in a minute. Uh, sure does. <laughs> Kinnerman finds like this stone carving outside of the outside of the house, which is like it doesn't show you exactly what it was, but for some reason I auto- always thought it was the fucking head that Marin found at the beginning of the movie in movie in Iraq, and I was like, how the hell would that get at the bottom of the stairs in Washington? Was but it, it never shows you what it is really. Like the, the director had like just in his pocket or some shit. Oh. It might it might have been, but it's something that you wouldn't really notice unless you're really fucking locked on paying yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was like playing with it or something. I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean that he immediately finds that and then goes and he visits the house. He he visits Chris. Uh he thinks that Burke was pushed from Reagan's window and he he lets Chris know that his head was spun completely around and everything and that's unless it was a super strong guy. It kind of reminds me of like Boondock Saints. He's like a really big fucking guy came in here and yeah. crushed his <laughs> 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 a little bit, yeah. We need to have Willem the Dafoe in this movie like, as a detective with Kinderman trying to solve this Oh, my this God. And he's, and he's there. It was an exorcism. <laughs> we need this guy. Wyatt's got to get on the phone with David Gordon Green. <laughs> you yeah. got you got to get Willem Dafoe <laughs> and play the same character that he did in Boondock Saints. He's, he's coming up with some good <laughs> casting choices. I don't know. He's, he's like, I, I, I just solved this case. Dafoe would be. Makes me feel like River Dancing. Dafoe would be fucking he incredible. little thing. <laughs> <laughs> Defoe as Marin would be pretty fucking incredible, but I don't think we're gonna get that. No, and Weird Al is the surgeon. Like, let's actually. Oh yeah, you gotta have Weird Al in there as a surgeon. Or Daniel Radcliffe could pull it off, maybe. (laughs) Doing that Roku movie. Yeah. He kind of looks at her paintings and stuff too, which, like I mentioned before, he actually steals like one of the paintings or artwork, and then like they do the forensic science and figure out that Reagan was the one doing the desecrations. He just kind of looks at him in the movie and he's like, oh, who's the artist? And as if you wouldn't know, it's a fucking child's yeah. painting and shit. It's like <laughs> good did detective you, skills there, Kinderman. <laughs> Alan, did you draw that? You drew that, didn't you? It was beautiful. <laughs> Do you mind shining he's an autograph for my daughter? The television in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah, get the television door? detective? He's like, I lied. It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> My first name's Peter. Can you please sign it to Peter? Then it goes right into the the scene that Sean was talking about. Yeah, though, oh yeah. With the fucking and you even you even mentioned about the the wardrobe and everything moving across. This is probably yeah. the most even still to this day, it's pretty shocking to see this kind of scene. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
it's uh, and this is in the theatrical, but I want to say like when they released it on TV years later, like this is one of the scenes they definitely cut for a long time. Well, uh, well, they show they cut. I'm, most I'm not even of talking it. like your your cable. I'm saying even like on your on your uh, premium channels. Uh, this is one of those scenes that, like, for a while, you just be like, "Oh, where's the, where's the, that scene, or where's this scene?" And then it was like, finally, the true version of Exorcist is available again, like in the '90s or mm-hmm. early 2000s Fuck when it came me. back out. Yeah. If I remember the edited version, I just remember it's just like they throw the stuff, they see the stuff flying around the room. She slaps Chris, and then it just cuts to her, like the up close shot of her face, saying, "Like, do you know what she did?" And then it just cuts to the, like the next scene. It doesn't really right, do exactly. anything else. God. Your daughter. Dude, that <laughs> Your fucking voice daughter. is so fucking scary. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I mean, did everything practically. Well, yeah, and it's ratcheted past 11 with her just <laughs> into her yeah. crotch with the damn thing. Yeah, and not, not even just like the Jesus fuck me shit, but then she grabs her mom's face and shoves it down there. <laughs> like, holy shit. Lick me. <laughs> saying lick me. He's like, Jesus. Again, you haven't seen that in a fucking theater in the seventies, like that would have blew your fucking mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, like I, I, I understand why maybe some people like like Wyatt mentioned earlier that may laugh at this, but to me I'm just my mouth is agape, like, holy shit, what is happening? Yeah. It's fucking scary, dude. Again, there's no music cues either. It's just the sound effects happening and shit flying around the room and, and people getting hit with shit and it's just I don't know fucking scary it, it well, really is. Screams. yeah and it, it's it's great to see the behind the scenes stuff uh, how they did it all practically like they had wires and shit yeah. going under this under the set to move the wardrobe towards the door and they had nuts a, it's a famous story about them hurting ellen bernstein because they yanked her back so damn hard on her harness that throws her against the wall it like fucked up her back the guy's like we're gonna give you a yank or whatever and then right before they they filmed the scene. William Freakin, the madman, told her, like, told the guy that was holding the rope, like, don't hold back. Fucking just give her a good yank. Like, don't even worry about it. And he said, give it to her this time. <laughs> and I said, really? And he says, give it to her. And apparently that fucked her back up big time. Same way with, like, the Linda Blair a little earlier in the movie where she's just flopping down, up and down on the bed. Apparently one yeah. of the... Some one of the harnesses on her back broke, and whenever she got yanked up, it didn't, it wasn't, it didn't like hold her in place, so it actually like caused whiplash and it fucked her back up Ugh. too at one point. Wow, so, like, the kid and like the mom, everybody's getting hurt on the set of this film, and then we'll, he doesn't give a fuck. No, and at the end of the movie, he's he slaps the dude that plays Father Dyer in the face to get a good reaction from him. Well, we'll get to that towards the end of the movie. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, freaking, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no. He's like, as long I as mean, I'm getting my shot, I, I don't care. <laughs> he made one of the best movies of all time, though. That's yeah. for sure. But yeah, Chris at this point is like, all right, we might need an exorcism. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> might, need an exorcist TM. we might have to do something about this. <laughs> uh, she she gets the number for Karis, and she meets him out on the bridge. She's so fucked up at this point. Exorcist. Yeah, she opens up the phone book and there's a big ad yeah. that just says The Exorcist on it. <laughs> fucking Beetlejuice is there. Beetlejuice, yeah. Beetlejuice. Yeah. It's the, like, oh, the number one exorcist. bio exorcist. He was, he was too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, her face is all black and brew from getting smacked around by her daughter and she, she's wearing those big ass sunglasses and everything. Um, but she meets with Karis and he's like, 
what you know you know what I would recommend like three good months in a psychiatric ward be under constant surveillance such and such and she's like nope that's not gonna do like we can't do that I'm not locking my girl away like I can't do that to her or it's like I mean at this point you don't you really have much saw, of a choice do you <laughs> you just you just saw all of this shit flying around your daughter's room. She's fucking herself with a crucifix. She fucking smacked you across the, the way there. She's, she's probably killed somebody. Like, what do you mean you're not going to put her in the, in the mental hospital for psychiatric, under psychiatric care? Like, what are yeah. you talking about? I, I think the bigger thing is, I do agree with you, Joe, but it's that thing where it's like, now she's at that point where I think maybe she's afraid if she puts her away, it's like, she may never see her again. But yeah, I I, I agree with you, man. <laughs> I think it's I think it's mom saving face because she doesn't want you know a famous actress's daughter getting front page news that she's in a fucking mental institution as well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, every time you see her go to the, like the doctor's office and everything, she's covering like she has like, glasses on, she has like her her hood up, she's purposely covering herself so people don't know that she's there. So that makes perfect totally sense discreet. though. But Karis agrees. He's like, hey, I'll I'll go look at her. I'll go check it out at least. Like, why not? It couldn't hurt. Um, and he goes and she's tied to the bed at this point and she's already, she's transforming. She's getting the scars on her face. Her eyes are all like green. She has like those contacts in now. Um, but she's turning into like what we would see by the end of the movie at this point. She's using the voice of some of the people that he's been in contact with, like the bum on the subway. Yeah. Like, would you help an old yeah. altar boy out father? Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. Well, stuff that, well, yeah, me too. But all the stuff she would never know unless, yeah, unless no. she was there. Yeah, and he's like, she asks who know. she is, and he's like, I'm not Reagan, and he's like, I'm, I'm the yeah. devil. <laughs> Kindly undo these straps. And he's recording her doing this. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, why don't you undo the straps yourself? And she's like, that's far abuse of power, Karis. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, she ends up like opening the drawer, doesn't she, or something like that. Yeah. To show him. Oh, that's in yeah. like the next scene where he comes back. Oh, right. Because yeah, right. isn't the whole thing he's trying to prove it's bullshit or or if it's real, and yeah. he keeps trying to bait her, but she's not doing anything she was doing before. So he's like, I don't know. Yeah, and he even he, says he's like, just an asshole. She's crazy. And she says like, your mother's in here, Karis. Would you like to talk to her? And he's like, holy shit. Like what? Well, I think <laughs> I think that's what sets him off. For yeah. Sure. But at first, he's definitely like, all right, this isn't adding up. Is it now or later where he's like, okay, what's my mother's maiden name? It's this one. Yeah. You ask like the it's mother. It's this one, and she's and she she doesn't tell him. She, she, and he, yeah. She throws up. Yeah. That's when she like vomits on. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you. He goes and tells Chris and then he even says like she says that she's the devil, which is like probably the most common thing that somebody's gonna say. They're not gonna say it's like one particular demon or anything, like, oh, they're the devil. Yeah. Right. Um and then he even asks like or about the mother's devil. main name and she wouldn't be able to do that. And I think it's the next scene, but he even like tries to throw like holy water on her at one point. And he's like, it was just fucking tap water. Like it wasn't anything and she still reacted. So it's not helping yeah. your case and at anything. And she's like, well, what, what could we do to get an exorcism? He's like, well, we have to have proof that she can like speak a different language. She doesn't, she's never known, uh, possess knowledge that she wouldn't even have any knowledge of, you know, there's, there's certain steps that you have to like go through to even consider an exorcism to bring it to the church. Yeah. And that's why like he takes the tape back uh, he goes and visits her, studies the tape, and that's when she, like, opens the drawer and everything. Um, but you get, like, sassy Reagan and this. It was an excellent day for an exorcism. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, is that what you would like? And he's like, and she's like, oh, maybe. But that's when she starts like speaking in reverse whenever he's thro- throwing the, the tap water on her and everything. But that's that's such a great scene, too, because you're not really sh- quite sure yet. That yeah. it's like reverse speech. And then when he goes to study the tape and then he brings it to his like audio friend, he's like, he's like, what are you fucking talking about? This ain't no speech. He's like, it's English. Listen. And he plays it backwards. And he's like, holy shit. Yeah. And that scene, man, because like like we mentioned, there's like no music much throughout the movie unless like no. it's just kind of create like a little bit of atmosphere and a little bit of ambiance. But man, yeah. that scene where it's just silent and you're listening to that tape, even yeah. like in reverse. And then when they do it backwards, it's so creepy. It's creepy, man. Saying I, like, I, I am no one, and then she yeah. even says Marin. She even says like father, like Marin's name a couple of times. I, I love that technique. Oh, go ahead, Joe. I gotta look this up. Keep, no, no, keep going. I gotta look something up. I, I just love that technique in movies where there's uh, not even this this kind of scenario in particular where they're playing like a tape backwards, but like somebody like recording something or videotaping something or basically like. Something that's crucial to the plot, like uh, 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 Bird with the Crystal Plumage has something similar. Not the same thing, but something similar. Yeah. That then another character, like, the, that's not privy to the information that our main character and, our, and the audience is, and is, like, exactly like this. Like, in that movie, it's like, oh, that's a bird sound, the guy says, without spoiling it. Uh, and no one else in the in the movie would have known that except for this one character. It just, like, this scene is like, oh, wait, no, I'm an audio guy. I could tell that's, that's talking backwards. Hey, mm-hmm. play this the other way. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, this guy opened a can of worms, and he didn't even know he was opening <laughs> it. You know what I mean? I, I know. I like there that stuff. Go. Yeah, it, it takes the whole the movie to a whole other level at that point. Like, it's confirmed pretty much at that exactly. point. Exactly. Uh, Mercedes... Uh... McCambridge does the voice, hmm. the voiceover for Reagan. She kind of sounds like Gozer, but it's not the same woman who does the voice. In See, I always, every time I hear it, especially like the cackling, laughing that she does in certain parts, it, it yeah. reminds me of like the the evil witch in like Snow White and shit. Like whenever she turns evil, oh, kind of. It reminds me of that yeah. a lot. So I had to look that up too. I was like, is this the same person? But it's it's not. But it sounds very similar in certain certain parts. It's just an older woman with a smoker voice, you know what I mean? And it, yeah, it, it's just it, it, it it's incredible how effective it is and how creepy it is too. Yeah, and now you have Jamie Lee Curtis saying that she wants to do the voice of the devil and stuff in the new Exorcist and stuff. No fucking I, thank you. <laughs> no, listen, for somebody who doesn't like horror movies, no, go fuck off. I love I, you, Jamie. I, yeah, Joe, you just took the words out of me. I love her, but what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, get out of here. I hate horror. <laughs> I'll just get, you're going to pay me for it. I'll throw it though. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be, you know, what's even more fucked up is like, they'll do an overly modulated voice for it. Right. Oh yeah. Like this woman, that's just that woman's voice. You know what I mean? Which is, is crazy to me. And I think that's what makes it even fucking creepier is because it's not really messed with at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that like classic, like lower pitch demon sounding hokey voice i think that's yeah, what makes it even they're gonna creepier. go all extra with it and one scene I've, i neglected to mention was whenever he was he visited reagan for the first time whenever he leaves kinderman's kind of like just kind of casing the joint he's kind of sitting out there kind of watching every everything make sure nothing goes down um but it was, this was always a scene i always forget about because it happens so fast when he like he's watching the house and he looks up at the window and you just kind of see reagan standing at the window and she like walks by and you just see the silhouette of her it's it's always something that i yeah. kind of always overlook like i always forget about until i watch it and i'm like oh shit i forgot about that actually happens and that's that's a little creepy scene in itself but i just i never remember that scene happening i'm not sure 
if that's one they they always they added mm. in there for the the version you've never seen or if it was in the original it, it's definitely one of those scenes that you don't think is going to send a uh, chill down your spine but it totally does oh yeah it's effective <laughs> He immediately gets a call from Sharon saying, like, you got to get your ass over here. I got to show you something real quick. <laughs> and he goes over and this is another oh, yeah. <laughs> just great fucking scene where he like lifts up her shirt and you just see the the words help me just kind of bulge out of her stomach. And just the way the music just kind of stings there and just gradually increases. It's great. It's it's such a great effect. And it gives me chills just thinking about it right now. Yeah. And it's all practical, too. And it, it looks fucking great. Yeah. How did they do you know how they did that? Because even though I watched like the making of, they never showed that specific scene in them. I would assume it has something to do with like bladders, like little air bladders, like very small ones. Yeah. And just a little bit of air going into them. Or it could be uh, syringe fed the same way. Like instead of air, maybe they could be liquid where they where they, you know, uh, uh, you know, grow yeah. like that. I'm, I'm not ex- that makes sense, entirely though. sure. I don't know. D- Dick Dick Smith was a was the master. <laughs> it, it, he was man, because you can't. It it looks like it's just her stomach. You don't see like any yeah. kind of edging around like where it would have been. It it was perfect how it is. I was gonna say a whole prosthetic piece over her. That's why it's seamless. But I'm it, not sure. It might have been. They could have had her half in a bed too with a fake torso and like pushed it up through. You know, and and did it that way. I mean. I don't know, <laughs> but it's fucking creepy either way. Karis talks to the priest saying like, all right, I have some evidence. We need to figure out if, if they can approve this, this exorcism to happen. The priests kind of gather, they're talking about it and they're like, uh, Karis has been through a lot. We're not sure if he is up to doing this by himself. We better, better call in some help, call in some backup, uh, get, get an yeah. experienced exorcist in there. Um, so they say, they like send a, like an altar boy or whatever, just like out in the fields somewhere. Like Maris is out in the middle of nowhere and this dude's just just running. It looks like he ran the whole way from where like the priests were. And just with this, this little like Game of Thrones like scroll just runs up this hill just to give it to Maris. Yeah. He's like, all right, I know what I must do now. I must fight the demon. Yeah, he gets on shadow facts. Back to the United States. The demon has returned. Uh, and we haven't even mentioned He's in that. Washington DC <laughs> into Washington. There's a lot of demons and uh, no no goodness yeah. in DC. So oh, well, who, am I, right. who am I exercising in DC? Yeah. Which one am I vanquishing? Yeoman. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then you get like the most famous shot of it's on the poster. It's been done so many times at this point of just you know Marin's taxi rolling up and he gets out and he's standing there in front of the brightly lit window. Just the, the light shining right down. On. Bells. He explains that the demon lies and it'll try to attack your psyche so you can't listen to it or have a, a direct conversation with the demon because it's going to do everything it can to fool you. So just focus on what you're doing. Read from the Bible, perform the exorcism. Don't pay attention to what the demon's doing is what he's trying yeah. to say. But it, it's great. Like Chris is trying to make them feel at home. Like, would you like a drink? Like, I can. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Get me a drink. And then he's like, I'm going to take my heart pills on top of this drink, too, by the way. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't well, do he, that, Marin. <laughs> he knows. Marin's like, this is my last fucking rodeo. I'm going out in style. <laughs> this is it. So, the big one. He actually replaced yeah. his heart pills with roofies. He really wanted to make sure this went out like crazy for this final one. Uh, 
if I'm going to go out, I'm going to get real weird with it. Yeah, give him to himself. <laughs> the exorcism begins. Uh, the, of course, the bed starts floating. You see, like, the strobe lights as... Yeah, I love the strobe yeah. light effect, like, as her face is moving, and you see, like, the different effects that they have on her face, and you have, like, the blended, like, demon face in there with it as well at certain parts. Um, it's great. Yeah. When she, like, when she, like, breaks her straps and, like, lifts up from the bed... And all that, like that's fucking terrifying. It or was when great. she's like on the bed, and oh yeah, she like it's like from behind, and like the fucking room goes black, and you see the statue of Pazuzu and shit. That's one of my favorite shots yeah. of the whole movie, man. It's great, fucking awesome. Even the head, uh, I think that already happened like a while ago. But uh, when she oh, turns and, her whole yeah. fucking head around, oh yeah, well it happens here too. It happens twice oh, it in the movie. Happen, yeah, yeah, like after the. Uh, you know the whole oh, crucifix scene yeah. yeah and and then she does the it like this... holy shit what the fuck <laughs> yeah and then she does it in this scene as well yeah she's like she she doesn't even do it that slowly she does it straight up like this time and it's like holy yeah. shit like right. i'm out just like the, the scary movie where he's like fuck this james woods <laughs> he's like fuck this yeah. I'm out. oh yeah 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 <laughs> i forgot that was james woods that's right yeah. well yeah because they do the Isn't amity like taking a shit in that and it's like yeah the yeah, yeah in the beginning the flies stick into the window and then they're all over his face he's like oh god those enchiladas <laughs> <laughs> God, literally <laughs> she's floating off that bed and they did it practically which is great and I, apparently the way they did it they, they strung it up with like fishing wire and then they painted lines down the fishing wire so it would blend in with the wall and the shadows huh. that they would cast so you can't even oh. see the wire that's there so it, it's all practical which is fucking awesome i wish they just still did that instead of like opting to just to do it digitally like i know man i understand that it's cheaper but like that is so impressive like, <laughs> i know and not even oh, just the effects on. but like cheaper <laughs> Yeah, we just don't pay our CGI artists enough. But yeah, not even just practical effects, but just build sets anymore. Jesus Christ, not everything you have to do is on a green screen or a blue screen. Which is kind of crazy you're still hearing. Well, not still is maybe the wrong word because we're kind of in the, for lack of a probably better term, renaissance of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, there's that famous. back for sure, yeah. That mm-hmm. famous interview with Ian McKellen from the Hobbit trilogy, where he basically talked about how he it wasn't even acting anymore, and like Christian Bale has said similar things recently when he did Thor that it's like yeah. every day is the same because you're just going onto the set with a blue screen, and it's like what the hell? I got to give them uh, credit for oh. just being able to act as oh, well yeah. as they do because of that. Yeah, you know? it would be very I mean, jarring. That, that's a big. It's a big part of it is to immerse yourself not only in the character, but in your surroundings and with the other people. And when everything's fucking green or blue, it's like, huh. Yeah, especially talking to some of those uh, characters, I'm sure, as an actor that are just on a tennis ball. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Depending on what movie you're on, the person you're talking, the person you're acting with may be in just a green ass suit with balls all over it, then holding like something. But just a side note, too, like even like the smaller stuff. Not a Guardians of the Galaxy well, or a Thor or movie yeah. or some shit like that, but just something smaller. Um, I wish they had more uh, practical stuff for, you know, or did more practical applications with, you know. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I understand that it can be cheaper, too, and you don't have to build a whole fucking set if you're in any production, you know what I mean? And you can green screen something or digitally put something in, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Yeah. True. She's just just berating Marin at this point, just shouting obscenities, <laughs> like shove your cock <laughs> up her ass. You fuck. Like, Oh yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. You know, the famous. Yeah. So it's like, she's just berating him. And then like, mm. she's, she snaps the straps. Um, they start, she starts floating there. Of course they have like the five minute 
power of Christ compels you, which is one of the more famous scenes in the movie. The power of Christ compels It feels like it goes on forever. Forever, man. And I, every single time, I feel like it goes on longer than the last time yeah. I watched it. <laughs> and you're like, this is the end, right? Oh, no. And it's and like even Max Von said, I was like, the power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels Like, it comes back like, oh, it's over. No. <laughs> and then it goes so on Max, for another couple minutes. <laughs> Max is so many of these damn things, he's got to lay down and have a breather. It, it oh, does. Yeah, yeah at that point. Like, too. Yeah, that's the end of part one. We gotta we gotta come back later for part two of this exorcism. Karis <laughs> is like, are you fucking are we done? He's like dripping in sweat. Yeah. yeah. But then you get that that great scene out in the hallway when they take their break that was initially cut from the original release. And mm. I know it explains the story which we've already which you've been seeing through the whole thing, but I feel like just that scene with them going through everything they just went through. It it's nice to have them kind of have a breather, and then Karis is still wondering, like, why why did this girl like why did this thing choose this girl? Like, he's he's going through it. That scene to me is less for us and more for Karis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and those two connecting as characters. You know what I mean? It's definitely a scene that's like from a story standpoint, like this is information that needs to be told to this character, but the audience doesn't need it repeated. So I get I do like that scene. But I understand why maybe it didn't make it in the theatrical version. They want to get right to the climax. Because I think at that point, even Karis needs a little pep talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, A man. little reminder. Yeah, he's yeah, I, 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 I want to say the theatrical a lot more of that. Basically, what that speech is intended for mm-hmm. is more just yeah. him kind of like, as an audience member, it's very visual. It's visual storytelling. But to him, he's like kind of thinking about what he needs to do now because he sees uh, Max Van Zyndel, or whatever the fuck you say his name is like, he looks like he's on death's door. Like he, he yeah. doesn't know if he's going to make it. Like he doesn't have to say that, but you could see it in his eye mm-hmm. the way he's, he's looking at him and looking at the girl or, or into the room where the girl is rather. Even when he takes his heart right. pills, his fucking hand is like shaking trying oh, to even yeah. grab one yeah. out of it man like he's but yeah he's not in... not only to not only to persevere through what they're doing now but just life <laughs> and what yeah. has happened in his life as of late you know what I yeah mean? And, and also this in, implied history he's had with this demon in particular that's clearly yeah. it, like eating mm-hmm. away at him even more so yeah because it's or implied it's the same general, demon because it all wears different faces you know mm. yeah and it's implied it's the same demon that he he exercised when they mentioned it early previously in the movie. And that's what they get into with like those, I I haven't seen them, but like the two like exorcist, the beginning movies or whatever that came out. And they're about like, never saw those. I never saw them either. Um, But I I guess they're about father Marin and his, that, that exorcism that happened initially. It's a mess because they have to, it's the the same movie they did twice because the first one was so fucked up. They had to go back (laughs) and redo it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I did hear that. One of those. I heard the I heard the series is really good though, and I have not seen that. I haven't either. I heard Gina Davis is in it, which is pretty interesting because I haven't seen like her in anything <laughs> as of like I guess so. Ten yeah. years or so, man. So yeah, yeah, I might have to check that out though. It might, it might be better yeah, than the David Gordon Green movies wanna... that we're going to be getting. Into, uh... <laughs> I'm, I, I will fucking take take the Pepsi challenge on that one. Karis gets his little bit of a pep talk, but he's going to need it because it doesn't get any better when he goes back into that room here. Because as soon as he goes in, he sees his mom sitting there on the bed. <laughs> and it's and it's like lit. It's very like softly lit, too. It, it looks like a dream yeah. in a way, how they shot yeah. it. But man, it's so creepy. Also, that that is a very 
that's an act of desperation from the demon oh, yeah. to stop him. You know what I mean? Because he they're so close. Yeah. To what they're trying to do to it, to get her to get it out of uh, Reagan, you know. And it 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 breaks my heart every time, man, because he's like. You not my mother. Marion comes in. He's like, "Get the fuck out! You gotta go!" Like she's obviously getting your head. You <laughs> gotta get gone. the fuck out of here, man! You gotta go! You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna ruin everything we've already established so far. But that was the worst idea. Yeah, because like it was. he's evilly overtaken because the because Karis isn't there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, because immediately when he comes back in, yeah, he's just on the floor and <laughs> yeah. he's just dead. He's just dead. <laughs> dead. You don't even see what happens. He just flips the fuck out, man. <laughs> he yeah. like loses it on her. He's take me, come into me. Yeah, it's such a good scene. Yeah, I, I mean, he makes the fucking ultimate sacrifice in in, in a yeah. situation that he doesn't even really know if he'll be able to control himself. No, which makes yeah. it, I think, even more powerful. And I think that might have been what the reason they use maybe some of the like with how they did the they put the demon face on him because they want you to to see yeah. that it takes over him for a second, and then he kind of forces himself out of it. That way he can get out. That way he back. can throw himself out yeah. the window. That, so it's that, under that, his own that power. That I do like. So it doesn't... Because yeah. I feel like from what Freakin said in the initial cut without that, it made it seem like the devil won, like the demon won by possessing him and then throwing him out the window to kill him, whereas it was actually Karis's decision to do that. He he did that to save yeah. the girl and to, to rid the demon. So let me ask you a question. Is his soul damned because of his sacrifice, like oh, a yes. suicide? Yeah, I, I mean that's the way I always read it. Was that no, he no, is? No, but he does it to save. Yeah, he does it to save Reagan. It was so for the he greater has good. Self-sacrifice. Yeah, for the greater good. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I think I, it, I think it cancels out. Heaven or. <laughs> You know, you think so? I think uh, it might cancel out. Or is out. he in hell now? Is he in? Is he sucking cocks in hell now? Who knows? I I would like to think like why it's saying it cancels it out, but I know like I mean it's been a hot minute since I've taken those CCD classes I mentioned earlier, but I want to say like I don't if think you were actively I don't think a chapter about demon possession and sacrificing well, yourself. Well, well, he I can... was going to say suicide is considered an, the ultimate sin, even if he was doing right. it in the process of saving a life, so he would still go to hell. But I don't know if the con the in this con. That concept in this situation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, you're right. That's, that's a little. I don't know. That's what I'm I, saying. I don't. I don't know if he. I don't know if he would go to hell. I think he. I think he might just get instant access because it was an act of, um, you know, saving somebody else. Saving I, somebody else. I. I would hope so, but I always read it as you. He's. Ta- it's taking your stole instead of hers. So I guess you're suffering for all eternity. But at least the girl's not. But I. Yeah. I could. I, I'm okay with either. I think they purposely leave it open to your interpretation. Well, he gets the way uh, they explore that in three. Well, he gets possessed by Brad Dorif, and that's he goes to that oh, mental yeah. institution. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, if anybody's listening or watching that has never seen Exorcist three, do yourself a favor and make sure you get yourself the Shout Factory Blu-ray and watch the Legion cut of that film. Yeah, it is completely different, and I think it's the. Um, do you agree with me, Wyatt? That is a superior film. It's great. I, I mean, I love both cuts, yeah. but I, I, I definitely I can agree with you on that one. But Brad Dorif in there that is, movie is has one of the greatest performances, man. It's fantastic. It's it's one of Brad Dorif's best performances of his entire career, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's like excellent. 
Absolutely. And and what 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 Blatty does because Blatty directs that one and mm-hmm. writes it, and it's um, it's the sequel. It's the true sequel to The Exorcist. So we kind of like forget about the heretic. Yeah. In, in in movie wise, and then we go to that. Anyway, it's yeah. just really fucking good. And, a lo- and I love the <laughs> beginning really of it because it makes you seem like it's an exorcist movie because they show the stairs with the fog and the tubular bells, and then yeah. it just fades out like yeah. right away into the the actual yep. movie. You're nope. like, oh, you think you're gonna get the exorcist? Nope. Know. That's a, nope. This is a different <laughs> movie entirely. <laughs> it's such a more powerful film. It also has one of the greatest jump scares you're ever going to have in a movie, too. This is also true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll to, I, I haven't seen Two War Three or any of those other ones you mentioned. I've always, I've always just seen the first one. Oh, really, man? It, oh, and it's, and it's multiple cuts. Oh, and it it, uh, it definitely follows that theme, I guess, even like you were saying for the, um, the original Exorcist novel of that kind of like crime drama thriller mm. kind of thing because it, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of I mean, it follows the detective, and he's trying to solve a uh, a serial killer case. It's really fucking good. Yeah, and it, they do it in such a way where it is scary, and you can imagine the like the gruesomeness of these murders and everything. But you never get any of it. Yeah. Like you don't get the huh. you don't get any of the murders. You don't get like the bloody no. and the gruesome. You get the details, but you don't actually see anything as far Ooh. as that goes in the movie itself. That's kind of cool. Sounds cool. It, it's. It's like it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in terms of like yeah. you watch it and then you walk away and you're like, man, that was fucked up. But you don't act. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, everything's it's all in your head. Impact of the of the film. Yeah, yeah. It makes sometimes think, that's scarier. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, much like how you don't actually see uh, this man's head hit the pavement, although you do see his body <laughs> tumble down the stairs <laughs> as he jumps Even out of this like, window. Man. I feel bad for the stunt dude I had to do the roll down them stairs. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look like a dummy. You get that, that huge pool of blood, and he's just laying there. And, of course, Father Dyer is one of the first people that finds him. And it's like his best friend at that point that finds him. He also uh, blesses him, so maybe that saves Yeah, maybe soul? that's why well, that's, he does it. Yeah, true. That's a good I, point. I forgot about that. You're, okay, so we were just talking about The Exorcist 3. It doesn't save his body, though. Yeah. Cause it doesn't really save his soul either. If you, I don't want to spoil. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the the movie. Yeah, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. really save his soul I, just, either. I don't know. Well, really I mean, good. sorry. No, you're it's, you're good again. It, if this is a standalone thing, I guess it does. Though. I mean, it's my yeah, fault yeah. for not watching it on some level. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. But like, at, but for this movie in particular, it's kind of closure where that that I think uh, specifically that's the defining moment where it's like, okay, he is his body saved, his soul is saved because he was there to do that for him well yeah. and then the next scene after like you know obviously we see all the people surrounding the uh the the priest's body but it's either the next scene or it's implied i forget if it says later or the next day or something it's like reagan's basically fine now yeah. doesn't have stars on her face or anything doesn't really remember anything she doesn't remember anything anything That's yeah but that scene with with Father, that's the one I mentioned where like Free can slap the shit out of the dude that plays Father Dyer oh. to like get him in that, to get him into oh like goodness. that emotional scene that he needs to be in. He belted me right across the chops and backed off, and I went in the scene. And if you look at that carefully, when I'm giving the last right, my hands going like that. He he wanted that yeah. lip quivering. Yeah. Oh <laughs> but yeah. He apparently, knocked him down yeah, a peg. He straight up slapped him, and they rolled right away right afterwards so that that's wow. a pretty much genuine Shit. kind of reaction you get from him in that scene but it, it's heartbreaking to, to, to 
the first person that really finds him is one of his best friends. But he even takes like his necklace that he's that he's had like the whole movie. Even like during the dream sequence of Karis, you see the necklace drop. Like you mentioned, it goes into that the next day or who knows how long I, later. Yeah, but... it, it doesn't seem like a long time after, but it, it's definitely not that far after either yeah but I they're guess, getting the hell out of that made sense <laughs> they're getting the fuck out of the house or the, they're oh yeah uh getting the fucking road yeah i and, mean that movie's got to be canceled right like the director's dead like they're not making that still right. oh yeah that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they don't really mention anymore. the movie other than like <laughs> in that first like 25 minutes the, yeah. that, that goes out the window at that point <laughs> uh and i would assumed it would have as soon as the director died but hey it's the film industry maybe they would have just hired another director to do it but and i don't know possible father tire stops by it's, it's odd because like reagan like gives him a hug and everything and, and it seems like she thanks him but even though he didn't have anything to do with the exorcism itself or maybe it was just because he was a priest i don't know i mean he did get uh, uh the other father to basically do this by talking to him so maybe that's maybe. why like thank you for getting him to help me but you're right it is kind of just like all right she also doesn't remember anything. Yeah. So like she's got like sure little faint a... scar like on her cheek yeah. and stuff. I wonder but... I wonder if that was even explained to her because like would you even want to? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's a good point. You just went through some shit. Or maybe I'll tell you when you're older. Yeah. Or, <laughs> maybe. Or maybe mom like explained it to her a little bit and she was like, Oh, another priest. Thank you in general to Yeah. I don't know. God and the church and priests everywhere. Thank you for saving yeah. my body and my mortal soul. Whoever they they try to give the necklace to, they don't accept. It. Whoever the swap is, yeah, yeah, they don't they don't take it. They don't want that thing. It's cursed. Dire, There's a demon attached to it. Yeah, I don't know. Might have some. They're gonna some... put that shit in the fucking Friday the Thirteenth uh, uh, antique store. There's some bad juju with that necklace. Some, some voodoo <laughs> yeah. magic, man. Fucking voodoo magic, man. That's going <laughs> in the Warrens. Uh... Voodoo magic going on for sure. <laughs> That's going in the Warrens. Fucking little, uh, you know. Oh my god! Yeah, with all not, the other possessed do items. Not touch. Yeah, yeah, it's just Karis's necklace hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> there somewhere right it just you see that would, that would be the final shot of the movie of that version the conjurings the exorcist the the the, the, the close zoom in on the fucking music box replaced by the cross turning upside down as it cuts oh, to yeah. black yeah yeah the, the, necklace, the like... fucking chucky dolls in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> eyes learn light up yeah <laughs> the box from like the monster from like creep show is somewhere. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Or the broken up box. <laughs> the fucking Lamer Chan configuration. Is oh, my God. Yeah, from Hellraiser, yeah. Dyer, he, he sends them off, sends them on their way, and as he's leaving, he he bumps into Kinderman, who is just kind of hanging around the property. I guess he wanted to talk with him, but he just missed him. I, I don't know if Kinderman was trying to, like, just see how they were, or if maybe he was trying to close this case. Like, all right, I have evidence she did it. We're booking her. We're taking her to juvie <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Um, I assume he's just there to kind of see how they're doing and everything, though. Yeah, but he's also he, he does also talk to the priest, and I feel like that's his confirmation that it wasn't them or that the case mm. might be, still yeah. be open, but it's definitely it's out of the uh, the hands of the police department, <laughs> for sure. As they're talking, uh, Kinnerman asks them to go see a movie with them. He's like, hey, I got some, got some free passes still if you want to go see a movie with me. And of course, he's like, nah, I've seen it. I'm good. And he's like, oh, another one, huh? Like, he's just used to getting turned down with that same excuse. I've seen it. Oh, I've yeah. seen it. He's like, oh, another one, huh? 
Um, he must like talk during the movie. That's why no one wants to go with him or something. <laughs> Maybe. The way he even says, you know, like, I love talking one. movies. That <laughs> <laughs> he but, talks through it and you're like, shut the fuck up. But yeah, then you get like the, the scene that they were going to add at the end where they lost the audio for it where they're walking away and he he like quotes, was it Gone with the Wind or, or Casablanca or whatever? He's like, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but he quotes that and that's how they start getting their friendship. And that carries over in like Exorcist 3 because Kinderman and Father Dyer are pretty good friends throughout Exorcist 3. Oh. They have a couple scenes together. Oh, yeah. So that develops their bond and their friendship. But there was supposed to be a little bit more to that scene at the end that I wish we would have been able to get that audio so we would have could have had it in there but yeah that's that's credits man that's the exorcist which is one of the greatest movies ever made man it's one of the greatest horror films but even though they don't consider even though blatty and Friedkin don't consider it a horror film it's one of the best like horror uh drama films ever yeah um it's just so fucking good yeah, the so the atmosphere, <laughs> the dread in it, how they portray like Freakin, he did like the French Connection, but he had a history of doing like documentaries and shit. And he purposely tried mm. to film this movie in like a documentary kind of style to give it that sure the, to kind of ground it a little bit and make it feel real and and I, I think it worked because the when like I mentioned when you're younger you're, you're looking forward to the the possession the exorcism and the scares and stuff yeah but as like now I just love the dynamic between like Karis just getting to know his character yeah. and what he's going through and then of course Chris McNeil and then like Father Marin comes into the play but I just love the dynamic between all these different characters that you have I love that I love that I think I like the first half of the movie better than like the second half because of that you yeah. know what I mean I mean the culmination of course and the and the and the uh uh uh, 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 you know the part, the 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 the, the part of the story where everything the climax, <laughs> the climax. Jesus Christ! Talk about a fucking brain melt. Um, yeah, your brain's climaxing. Uh, the, the 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 nodes are yeah. crashing into each other. There it is. Um, no, I I totally agree with you. I, the the character development and and the dynamic between uh them. It's fantastic. And again, even coming back to that docky style, I never really thought of it like that. And now that you say it, like, I think that's why those scenes have such an impact, like when Reagan's in the hospital and getting the tests done or even even the. Um, the scenes of the poltergeist activity in the room, like when she's fucking herself with the cross and stuff like even that has some of that there. Um, it's really fucking good. It's very riskful and it, and it hits pretty hard. I feel like I'm the opposite with Joe. I actually like the second half better than the first half. I think the first half, even though it does a really good job uh, building up the characters and making you care about them. I know I might get some flack for this, but I think it does take a little too long to get there. But I still think it is an amazing movie. Like it's easily like why, like you were saying earlier, it might it might be the best possession film ever. I, again, like I'm getting nitpicky when I'm sitting there trying to like list ones off, like The Conjuring or or stuff like that, because yeah. it is it is a element of a, of a larger style of film. It's more of like Joe had said, more of a supernatural film. This is like straight up just she's possessed. This is the story, and it's kind of set up the I don't want to say trope, but this subgenre, I guess we'll call it, uh, basically for the rest of time. 
I'm, I'm not saying there probably wasn't other movies before. Don't get me wrong. But this is the one that set the standard. Yeah. And uh, 50 fucking years later, it's still the standard. Yeah. So uh, it holds up right on rewatch. Again, my only complaint is just a, from a user uh, a standpoint of like label these better internet uh, uh, streamer companies. A uh, voodoo <laughs> seems to be the only one that has figured this out. Um, Netflix, you got to, you know, scroll to find the parentheses, but I, I digress. That's more of a, uh, here and now problem. If I had the Blu-ray on the shelf, it wouldn't bother me. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a great film. I don't know. I, I don't want to like repeat too much of what you guys say. Cause Joe kind of hit a lot of the, uh, points I was going to make, but yeah. yeah, great cast, great effects. Uh, the cinematography is incredible and just the foreshadowing in this film, I think is done especially well, like showing the stuff with, uh, Demi's mother, uh, and how that plays out towards the end, the stuff with the walkway behind the house that's brought up a few times and the way that that kind of finishes off at the climax. Just really, really well done. Good red herrings. And just the plot kind of makes sense. Like they go through everything they can think of what this could be before they land on de demonic possession. It's not the first <laughs> thing they jump to like a lot of movies. Yeah. They, they go through the ringer first. And yeah, I think that's what makes it work. Even if I just said it is a little slow. But I'm not, but I'm really getting super nitpicky at that point. I mean, yeah. what are we talking? You know, minutes, uh, seconds here. I, I'm just, if anything, that's the only thing I could really say about it. But I think it's an amazing movie that holds up great today. Well, I think you, I think it makes sense though, especially like in this day and age. I feel like for somebody who hasn't seen The Exorcist, it 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 can. I feel like it would be kind of a slog for the most part for like the modern viewer. I feel. I mean, it's definitely a slow burn. It's it, oh, it's yeah. a it's a building film for sure, like a heredity almost I, would be the closest modern uh, comparison. I mean, not not. I mean, I guess that's actually a possession film on some level, but I guess that also also well. falls in the supernatural. I don't know that it gets a little dicey with that film, but yeah. similar where that has a slow build. And then once it hits a certain point, it just keeps going off the rails. Oh yeah. I love I think, hereditary. I think man. the take, Oh, it's so good. I think the takeaway here is that, um, the demon and the possession is more of the black cloud, hanging yeah. over the other characters and mm -hmm. kind of the personification of all the things that we don't want to face in our lives. Yeah. Uh, I could see that. Here's Karis, you know, here's, well, you have the, the you have Karis's arc with his mother and, and how, you know, he try as he might, he, he can't uh, be there all the time for her in the capacity that he wants to. And, and she's unaccepting of that. And there's nothing he could do about that. Um, and then in terms of Reagan, like her parents are divorced, question mark, or her dad is just away and doesn't really pay attention to her. And she's mostly, like Sean said before, mostly neglected by her family uh, in the big picture of things and, and doesn't really have anybody to be there for her like she needs it. Um, and uh, I, I just feel like... <sighs> You to Sean's point, he likes the second half, but I feel like if you don't have that strong first half where we get all of that exposition, then you don't give a fuck what happens to these characters. I mean, I feel like the emotional impact, I mean, that goes for a lot of other movies, but like the emotional impact comes from uh, being with these characters and, and figuring and, and going on their journey with them and their hardships that they're experiencing. And then it kind of be persona per the, or, or even father Marin, uh, you know, his whole life, he's been plagued by this, uh, th this, this dark cloud that he's finally facing at the end of this film. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And his experiences that have fucked him up 
to the point where that's all that it's con- he's consumed by it and needs to kind of um, it's almost an exorcism for himself kind of too to exercise his own demons at that point. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I just feel like in, in the bigger picture, it's all of those things underneath that, you know what I mean? And then add to that, the, the, the filmmaking here. And it's just, it's just a fucking hard hitting film and it still holds up. Yeah. It seems like every character kind of has something kind of lying beneath the surface on like, like you've mentioned yeah. with, with, uh, with Karis and, and Reagan, even with like, kinderman and dyer like kinderman he's yeah he's trying to solve this this murder and uh, the, the desecrations that are going on on top of e- even though we joke about it it's, it's obviously it's obviously he's lonely like he's uh, asking yeah. all these people oh, to time. go to to movies and stuff um and then you have dyer who you don't see much but he he's trying to take care of his friends and then like he, he just lost his friend on top of that so it, it seems like even the minor characters they still have stuff that's going on on top of beneath yeah. the surface from what you're seeing as well it's a big it, and it and it's a big uh, clearly it's a big theme of faith and, it, mm-hmm. and it's you have to have faith because if you don't whether that be whichever god or, or thing that you believe in like you have to have the power to keep going because you're gonna life isn't fair and it's gonna throw all the shit at you and you're gonna have you have to be stronger than that you know what i mean and i think yeah. that's the kind of the message that's that's underlying there absolutely uh, man you, you you wrapped it up perfectly and put a nice little bow on it man <laughs> uh is there anything else you guys would like to add and uh, about the exorcist I think I think the lemon has been squeezed dry, brother. <laughs> I mean, I, I would feel like that even before we did this video, man. I mean, it's, it's going on 50 years, I think, man. Well, with that being said, I'm glad we talked about it, man, because uh, I don't think we would have otherwise. I mean, we probably would have talked a little bit about it if we did three, but I'm glad that we talked about the first one. Yeah, for a Me movie too? that I feel like has been talked about for, like, to endless lengths over all these years yeah. for documentaries and books. And then of course, like YouTube like content creators putting stuff out there. I feel sure, like we kind of sure. dug into some stuff that maybe we haven't, I haven't seen at least before I've, I've learned some stuff from you guys and uh, oh, well, I, there I feel you like go. we, uh, we kind of did a good job here tonight. <laughs> and I hope, I hope everybody I so enjoys too. the hey, show. Let me tell you something. It, it, just based on what you said, it is a challenge to, to kind of deliver content to, to the viewership that maybe they have a take they haven't heard, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Or maybe a little, a little chunk of something that, you know, they can walk away with and go, Oh shit. I didn't think of it like that. Or I didn't know that or something, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. Absolutely. Uh, so where can everybody find you? MovieDumpsterPodcast.com. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to us. We're also on YouTube. Uh, we have a, we have a video podcast as, as uh, does Wyatt. Um, and you can check that out. We have a channel. Please subscribe. Um, we have a Patreon. You can uh, you can support us financially if you'd like. We do commentary tracks. We do live watch alongs. All kinds of good stuff over there. Um, yeah, check it out. We we uh, as Wyatt alluded to earlier, we we kind of uh, lean into the uh, lesser known stuff to uh, kind of. That's the whole point of the show. It's called Movie Dumpster. So we dig into the dumpster, everything that Hollywood has kind of thrown away or disregarded and trying to bring it to the top and, uh, you know, see if it's fresh or not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Expose it to other people, you know, let everybody get a taste of something different. Yeah. Uh, and see if they like that. Yeah. That's a great concept, though, man. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the show. And, and I, I can't wait Thanks, to see man. what you guys do going forward here. Yeah, dude, you came out to our to our live show. Yes. Did a colonial. The, yeah, like, thank you. So that was much. a great thank time. Thank you all for all the support, dude. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for coming out to the show. 
Yeah, uh, man. You're a stand-up gentleman and a scholar. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe, everybody. Go follow me on Twitter at CinemaTripViews. And, uh, of course, go uh, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're pretty much available wherever you can get your podcasts. Give us, leave us a good review on there as well. And, man, I cannot thank you guys enough for coming on the show here and talking about The Exorcist. I really appreciate it. Dude, you got it, man. Thanks for having us. And uh, whoever's listening, make sure you go uh, leave CinemaTripReviews a good five-star review. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they deserve it. Otherwise, you, otherwise the exorcist is going to come for you. Yeah, oh, Pazuzu's yeah. coming to your house. There you go. The actual, <laughs> the actual mother's going to be sucking cocks in hell if you don't go and leave them a five-star <laughs> review. Thanks for having us, man. Yep, and Thanks we'll see everybody us. else next time. Yeah.